Hello, and welcome to the 16th annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Gremion, and I, I just, I really, really quickly, I want to do one thing. I have just downloaded this background. I got to do this. I have to show you this. So in our previous in our previous episode, we talked about how I messed up. Uh, I messed up Bill Nighy and the Nicholas Farrell. Of the show. The shame. But I want to really quickly. These are the pictures of Bill Nighy and Nicholas Farrell. Which one is which? <laughs> which one of these guys is Bill Nighy, and which one of these guys is Nicholas Farrell? These two kind of sunburned, vaguely pasty Englishmen. Which one? Which one is Nicholas? Which one is Bill? If you can tell me. Nighy left. Nicholas right. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can kind of tell. You can kind of tell. But see where I'm coming from. The, uh, I Nicholas, do. I do. He's they, a gop- similarities. They're doppelgangers. They're Nicholas right. Farrell is like, is like to his... catch up to catch everyone up who has not been a part of a, a fairly large controversy that went down on the Academy Academy recently. Patrick gave a Stanley <laughs> Tucci award to Bill Nighy for his work in the Iron Lady. And then was not caught in doing so. We all realized Bill Nighy is not in The Iron Lady. I babied it. Yeah, I, it, I it was, as we mentioned, you know, this harkens back to the La La Land Moonlight Oscar fiasco. Pretty much the same level, I'd say. Oh, yeah, of, this is my grand shame. Uh, yeah, I'm in a hell of a... The first thing listed on Patrick's new Wikipedia page is this just... <laughs> terrible air he made I, I have a section on wikipedia that's just his grand shame and it's just this yeah <laughs> it's, it's you know I, I don't know if you ever um john ronson wrote this book a few years ago called so you've been publicly shamed oh yeah and it, yeah, yeah you're gonna be in the sequel i just oh, heard yeah. from john <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be the, the, the 12 listeners to this podcast are gonna like attack me and ruin my sadly life. <laughs> the first quotes were from your mom and dad i mean yeah. it's just what is what it is well i yeah i have been disowned by my family i now live uh in a uh i'm like a franciscan monk now uh i'm gonna be taking a vow of silence after this season uh, now at- i mean this this might be internet hearsay is i heard bill nighy is considering a uh lawsuit Bill Nye is. Bill Nye is. Uh, oh, yeah, we had that. We had the Bill Nye incident too. Yeah. Wizard talk in the last episode. Oh yeah, wizard talk. Yes, wizard talk. Bill Nye, the science guy. He a lot of controversies. A lot of controversies. A lot uh, of controversies. Let's, 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 let's introduce our guest. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> en- we we're gonna sh- ro- we gotta write the ship here. Yeah, <laughs> en- enough with the chicanery. <laughs> uh, we got a one. Wonderful guests today. Uh, they're a writer, performer. They've been on Broad City and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, Becky Feldman, welcome to the Academy. Hi, thank you. And you did not warn me I'm going to be on such a controversial oh, podcast. I know. I, well, you would have said no. We know that. I got kind of reel them in. Yeah. yeah, fair point, fair point. But listen, I, I'll talk to my publicist. We'll 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 find a way to spin this. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to. Gotta, we will. We I'll need make to. Sure. Yeah, we'll have to get you an apology wreath that you can send to Bill Nighy. Great, great. So, yeah, just a bunch. I've been well, sending those every week. Just wreath, <laughs> wreath after wreath. It's taken in a weird direction, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's sending um, it back. He doesn't but, like it anymore. <laughs> I, I think that we are we are riding the ship this week. I would say with 
quite a matchup of two very, very different films in Florence Foster Jenkins and the Iron Lady competing for the right to join Sophie's Choice in the finals of the Academy Academy Meryl Streep bracket. Sophie's Choice, obviously a... Um, underdog. No, Sophie's Choice, the underdog? Oh, no, I meant uh, Florence. <laughs> my bad. No, that's the no, overdog. That's the that's overdog. overdog. That yeah, that's a, the overdog. That's, that's a big old Doberman pincher. I was thinking, yeah. of, my brain was thinking Florence Foster Jenkins. Florence Foster Jenkins is the Cinderella story yeah, of the tournament. You're is, absolutely right. That is the, the, do, the, the little poodle. Or no, not poodle. Like, poodles are big. Poodles can mess you up, I think. They're scary. They well, like be. Florence, like Florence Foster be. Jenkins and her boys St. Clair and Cosme, I think you know uh, they got that potential too. Oh, especially Cosme, like in the end of you know his yeah, life, when, when he became a muscle builder, a muscle yeah. boy, yeah, man yeah. of muscles. Man, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I gotta we before we move on, I am Cosme McMoon might be my favorite character of the entire tournament. I, I am love, a Cosme McMoon head. Oh, same here. I'm a freak for Cosme McMoon. I love him. I think he's like a, I think a, a wizard found a feather and granted him life, and that's the character Cosme McMoon. He's like a, a, fe- a feather, a feather made human. And what, I <laughs> wouldn't, what I wouldn't give to have been named myself Cosme McMoon, like uh, one of the great names of all time, I'd say. Like, oh, totally. Yeah, you know, we, my wife and I, as we announced, we're having a baby soon. And, oh my gosh! Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And that you're naming Cosme McMoon. Well, oh, yeah. that's the issue. Is I we we came up with something, but now we're in deep McMoon conversations. Mm. Just, you know, I mean, she's. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we got a great matchup today. Two very interesting films. Got to They do have to take on the uh, seemingly unstoppable Sophie's Choice next time around. Oh but man. I think both these these could be wild cards. We'll see. Uh, before we jump into that, though, uh, as usual, we gotta know, Becky, what's your Streep story? First Streep memories, story. First, uh, first awareness of Meryl Streep. I guess my first awareness was defending your life. Um, that was a movie. Hell yeah. That we that I watched as a kid. Well, not yeah, no, as a kid. I don't know why my parents. We always like watched like not kids movies like. It was always like Woody <laughs> Allen and like Albert Brooks movies. And I mean, I did watch kids movies, but oddly enough, like I saw Manhattan when I was, yeah. anyway, regardless, but I think it was defending your life. But I have to say that my favorite Meryl Streep performance of all time is postcards from the edge. Oh, I think yes. she is phenomenal. And I, I, she probably was nominated. I don't know, but I absolutely love that movie. And she is like, so grounded and good in it and i think that's like my top that's my top streep you know what we just did a mike nichols retrospective we didn't include the mike nichols people in our bracket initially we only had 16 slots and uh Mm -hmm. don and i we were like oh man we kind of bunked it a little bit we could have we could have thrown a we should have thrown at least a nichols in there like a silkwood of postcards they're so good like yeah wait question 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 where do you, where can you watch Silkwood? This is not available anywhere. This was a this came up. This was a big last minute issue before our record. We had the time all planned out, and I went on to Amazon to see if we could rent it, and it wasn't there. And I tried Vudu and Apple, and it was a no go. So uh, we ended up I next dayed the Blu-ray to, so I could watch it. Okay, and so there is Patrick a Blu-ray. Went to a video yeah. store. Okay, got it. Okay. The Pasadena Videotech, a bona fide slapper of a video store, and you can rent Mm -hmm. it there. 
Yeah, but you can't. It's it's like not a. It's weird. It's one of those like really good, like just unimpeachably good movies that you just can't find anywhere. It reminds me of like iTunes, like pre two thousand ten when you couldn't get like the mm-hmm. Beatles or ACTC. Uh, just yeah, like, and like the, the, those two are like you know Beatles are whatever. Uh, we're not gonna go into a music conversation, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> just a weird. Uh, it's a weird. Uh, it's a weird hole in the thing. And there's like I bet there's a bunch of classic movies like that that are um, difficult to find online as time sure. goes on. Sure, yeah. yeah. But I feel like Silkwood, Silkwood is like this, the white whale. I just like, I've been, every time I want to watch it, it's like never available. And like, or like anytime I have to watch it. I don't know why someone who, like, when someone's like, oh, you got to see Silkwood. I'm like, I can't, I can't watch it. It sucks. It's, it's a real shame. Yeah. It's a real shame because it, it really is. I hadn't seen it before. We watched it for this Nichols episode and, I, both Patrick and I agree. We loved it. We thought it was yeah. just a terrific movie. Yeah. Oh man, and, you yeah. Know, and should have been, should have been in the tournament. Maybe should have been playing in this episode. For all we know. Honestly, but, there, uh, yeah. There is. We got two heavy hitters. We got two. We tagged two good ones yeah. to discuss. Yeah. yeah. But we um we also we loved defending your life. That <laughs> played so uh, death becomes her in the yep. first round. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. played death becomes in the first round and. You know, we kind of all agreed Defending Your Life is an Albert Brooks movie. It's not a Meryl Streep movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. She That's elevates, like, she elevates, like, a one, yeah. what could have been, a, like, a one-note role. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, and it's, it is, and, it, and we, I think we did agree. I think it, we've said on multiple occasions that might be the best movie or in the top, like, three in the, yeah. on the bracket the or one we've seen for the tournament. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Right. What a, yeah. What a, what a weird, interesting, like, interpretation of the afterlife. And a non-prickly Rip Torn. I love it when Rip Torn, you can mm-hmm. see his little his little belly behind the porcupines. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly what the casting director asked of him. Yes. <laughs> Gotta see that belly rip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the, the, definitely, I mean, Defending Your Life, the Postcards, two really good, terrific, terrific Meryl movies. And mm-hmm. like, one thing we were talking about that those fit into and Silkwood fits into and our movies today fit into is this um these are all like grown-up movies which you don't they feel like you don't see a lot of grown-up movies uh, like in the main popular culture at this point like occasionally yeah. like a mank or whatever will come out but um yeah. it's kind of few and far between yeah it's funny you said that because i feel like florence foster jenkins like when i was watching it i was like this feels like a Catherine Hepburn farce with syphilis. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it, it like kind of felt like it like had this like bringing up baby style, like levity, but then it's like, I'm dying of syphilis. And then it's like, well, that's not, that won't be in it. But, but like, it did feel like something that it's like, this is a parent, parents movie. (laughs) My parents like it. Oh, that's my mom. I don't know if she's seen it, but I think my mom would adore this film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's oh like, yeah, parents will love it. Yeah, this is like yeah, that's that's one for the for the parents. I yeah, <laughs> it's like the quintessential like uh, you know showtime. It's eleven p.m. Kids are asleep. Gonna see what's on. Oh hell yeah, Florence Foster Jenkins. Let's give it a spin. Or if you're heading toward grandparents' age, it's eleven a.m. at oh, home. Yeah. And, you know, and it's they're ready for bed. Yeah, ready for bed. Perfect time to watch a movie right they've been, before dinner. They've been par- they've been partying all night. They're, 
<laughs> I, yeah, I wonder how Florence Foster Jenkins plays is like a hangover movie if you're like 22 and you're with the guys back home and you're like, let's throw something on. We could all watch Florence Foster Jenkins <laughs> Nice! Together. Florence Foster Jenkins is my favorite, bro! Oh, nice! I love it! So yeah. She's a bad singer, but she's passionate about it, so I'm conflicted. Yeah, man. It's nice. It's funny <laughs> till it's not. Yeah. Oh, syphilis seems hella bad. Yeah. <laughs> Let's avoid that, bro. <laughs> Gotta get She's me shamed for the rest of her life. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what she, where she would have gone as a pianist? <laughs> she had musical potential, and it was foisted from her. <laughs> my name is <laughs> my name is Toink. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So uh, I guess. We want to we want to talk about Florence Foster Jenkins. Let's get into let's get into uh, yeah. the Florence Foster Jenkins. I'll I'll run down. But I'm wondering, Patrick, do you think our 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 key, our our diehard listeners have memorized some of these facts, these movie uh, facts yet? I, the third I, I, time I, through, I we've run see, through some of these. I can see a couple. I haven't though. It's always okay. It's always gold, new news to yeah, always my, new my, news to Patrick. My goldfish brain. <laughs> It comes through for me in the end. I'm like, yeah, numbers. All right. Florence Foster Jenkins released in 2016, directed by the great Stephen Frears, written by, and I don't think we've given the screenwriter credit on any of our previous episodes, Nicholas Martin, who I think did a very, very nice job in a story that, you know, I think the overriding theme is this could have been a much bigger joke than it is. And the fact that this movie is does emotionally work is kind of a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, budgeted at $29 million, made $56 million at the box office. The critical response, 87% Rotten Tomato approval rating. Florence Foster Jenkins makes poignant, crowd-pleasing dramedy out of its stranger-than-fiction tale and does its subject justice with a reliably terrific turn from star Meryl Streep. The film received two Academy Award nominations, Best Costume Design, and naturally, Best Actress, Meryl (laughs) Streep, Mm -hmm. winning neither. And before we came on the show, I think I'd be really willing to argue... Two other Academy Award nominations could have been in the cards for this movie, and one sh- definitely should have been, and that's both Best Supporting Actor for both Hugh Grant and Simon Helberg, and in particular Hugh Grant. Yeah, I mean, I for sure thought Hugh Grant was nominated, but maybe I'm thinking of another movie he was nominated for, or maybe he was never nominated. Was, they were both nominated for Golden Globes. That's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think if I mean, I don't remember 100%, but, you know, when Variety does their snubs and flubs column every time the mm-hmm. Academy Award nominations are announced, Hugh Grant was listed as one of the uh, snubs one of, the snubs. of uh, 2016. So oh, poor Hugh. Uh, terrible thing to wake up to, being a oh, snub. I know. Poor guy. Now, uh, Becky, had you seen Florence Foster Jenkins? Before? I have not. No, I didn't see it when it uh, made the rounds of Oscar season. Um, I probably have a screener for it somewhere. Don't know. Um, so, yeah. But then, obviously, I watched it over the weekend. And what what were your um, what were your thoughts? Just uh, you know, initial thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like it did feel like it, you know this like fun farce um with like you know like just like some like you know kind of like grounded like very stated elements to it um I thought it was a I I thought it was like 
very fluffy. You know what I mean? Like it was like fluffy in a good way. Um, it was very like, it was like a mood booster. Um, I thought she was great. Meryl Streep was great in it. Like I liked that like she, cause Meryl Streep can sing. So this is what I was nervous about. I was like, okay, Meryl Streep does this really good singing voice. So it was like, oh God, is she gonna like, kind of like overcorrect by being extra horrible. But I thought she did pretty good of like, this is a woman who could once sing and now just like lost it. And like, just like seeing this, I don't know. Like, I mean, I could talk about it forever, but like, I, I just like, I think she just gave such an excellent performance. Oh, yeah. So really like it could have been a performance. I think that could have been like very caricature-y, very mm-hmm. cartoony and she, each day, you know, we've seen the movie three times now. Each time out, I'm actually more moved by her, uh, by the character, her performance, and her journey. And kind of like, just her, like, we were watching it this afternoon, and my wife was just like, you know, there's something just so beautiful. She cares so much. Mm-hmm. And she, it's so innocent and, like, truly, like, what you want out of an artist to mm-hmm. be. Is, is what forcing and unfortunately she just threw bad luck it seems more than anything else like terrible luck she ended up here but one thing I, I have a quote that Stephen Freer said about Streep's performance is that he said you can only sing badly if you are a good singer like yeah mm-hmm. and I think that that like kind of gets to what you were saying about her her bad singing in, in this movie even though she yeah. is as we know she sings in every movie she is a yeah. good singer. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I, I will say too that uh, so watching this a third time, I have kind of like a new reading of it in my head. Like there's in the past, I've seen it, it was like a Don Quixote sort of thing, you know, Hugh Grant, Sancho Panza, or whatever. But the way I see it now, like it's almost like I I, I, I kind of had a grimmer reading of it this time, where this is almost like Meryl Streep's leaving Las Vegas, where like, <laughs> Meryl is like Nicolas Cage and Hugh Grant is Elizabeth Shue. Wow. They're weird, like really, and it's like yeah, instead of alcohol, it's like her love of music, and it's crazy because it does like it's one of those things in the end where like it does like kind of kill her in the end to a certain degree. I, mean, I guess syphilis really killed her, but like the way that they they frame it in the movie it is like you can't keep doing this you're hurting yourself like you really should just keep on using arsenic and mercury and staying in bed Uh or whatnot yeah which is also that's also very depressing the movie does dramatize it but i mean the real florence foster jenkins did die i believe four or five days after this carnegie hall performance i mean it's you know not that far off that it did kill her exhaust her to the point that it did kill her which and, is and, but like i think that's how she wanted to go you oh, know oh, what i yeah. mean and i yeah. think that's like I, it's like that's fucking great like you did <laughs> lived your dream and now you don't have to like be in pain afterwards like you leave on a high note oh totally she, she had like two people in her life too like that's more than even a lot of like truly successful talented people have two people in her life who really loved her mm-hmm. and would do anything for her one one question i did could think about today was like Hugh Grant says we've been doing this for what like 15 years kind of doing this ruse mm. at what point does that become too much like I don't know if y'all remember that movie Goodbye Lennon mm-hmm. that, that's what this yeah. kind of reminded me mm-hmm. of Daniel yeah. yeah but it's just kind of like you're trying to be nice but are you hiding too much uh, like 
Well, I think. See, that's, I don't know when. When. When do you rip the bandaid? Well, I think yeah. that's like the leaving Las Vegas thing, where it's like I think it's like she needs, like she'll if she if he doesn't play the game with her, she's gonna drop him. You know what I mean? Mm. I think there is that, and it's like he loves her, and he knows that like it's so sad because it's like he knows this is like how she lives her life and how she's gonna live her life no matter what. Because I think about the scene that like kind of confused me in the past was when. Uh, she's like, I'm afraid of going out or whatever. And there's always been this part of me, like before she goes out in front of Carnegie Hall, right? To people that will like, you know, boo her or whatever. And, mm-hmm. like, and I've always been like um, a little like weird about that scene. Cause it's like, I feel like if you great really loved her, he'd be like, don't do this or like go home or like, and I know they try, he, he tried to do that, but like initially, but then like when she didn't want to, you'd think he'd be like, okay, this is the perfect situation for me. But then, uh, I think it is this thing where, like, he knows this is what she wants, and, like, I don't, I think it's, like, it's, it's, like, it's fatalistic in this really sad and beautiful way where, like, Yeah, I find this movie, um, sad, but not sad in a bad way. Oh, no, it's still good. Each time out, more, more, even more so. And keep in mind, this is not like, yeah, this is definitely not like leaving Las, leaving Las Vegas in tone. It's kind of, I think also, I've seen this movie so many times, my brain's ruined. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I have syphilis. Uh, oh, no. Uh, sorry. <laughs> your, your, your constant pianist days are over. I know. Yeah, my hands keep shaking. I'm like Tom um, Hanks and Saving Private Ryan. But, you know, I, the thing I, 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 it's so intriguing to me about this movie is that this movie's very coy mm-hmm. as well. Like, mm-hmm. And how much or how little they are kind of aware. Because I don't think any, I think that they're all more aware and they're all smarter about everything that's going on than they kind of let on, include, first and foremost, in that Florence. Yeah. I think she, ha- she is, I think she's like, like you were saying a little bit about this, like ruse in this game. She, I think she's a pretty active participant mm-hmm. in the game. Like yeah. I- yeah, I think she 100% knows. <laughs> and I think, like, there is a point where, like, like rich people can do whatever they want. You know what I mean? And I think, like, you think that she's, like, this oblivious rich lady who, like, doesn't know how terribly she can sing. And, like, oh, everyone's going to appease her, whatever, placate her. But I feel like she's just, like, the way she plays it is, like, I know that I'm going to die soon. I just want to be on stage, even if I'm bad. I'm going to play it as if, like, and I know these people will, like, you know, bend over backwards for me. I have a few more months left to live. Let me just live it up. And it was like, she had her own motivations, her ulterior motives, like, (laughs) underneath her, like, facade of, like, I'm a rich lady and I (laughs) want to sing. (laughs) Yet her love of uh, sandwiches and potato salad. Oh, potato salad, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. It kind of was like, oh, gosh, that bathtub full of potato salad. Uh, it kind of ruined potato salad for me. Yeah, that, yeah, that was yeah. the same exact, yeah. And like, yeah, there's definitely, like, a, a mania. <laughs> what if I was like, it kind of ruined baths for me, and then I never showered again. <laughs> uh, yeah, potato salad's still pretty good. Yeah, I love the salad, but getting yeah. in a bath, no, thank you. Water, too scary. Yeah, uh-uh, no porcelain for me. Yeah, no porcelain. It's <laughs> a horrible fear of porcelain. <laughs> uh, they yeah. overdid it. 
Yeah. But uh, I, I, I was, I was like, too, like, we were talking in our last episode about kind of, like, scene by scene, how Devil Wears Prada just kind of, like, chugs along and it, it has, like, this wonderful machine-like pace and there's not, like, a dud scene in it. I think you could almost argue that for the, this movie does have, like, a really nice, breezy pace. Yeah, it. absolutely. It's, like, I, I hope what I'm about to say makes sense. But I feel like in every scene she acts, and like, yeah. do you know what I mean? I mean, like, obviously she acts, but I feel like the, she she just in every scene, whether it's like she's opening up to the piano player, and that's like a beautiful scene, or when she's like that thing at the end where like after the credits or whatever, where they're like, oh, I think we did it one round. Um, uh, yeah. There's just like this level of like commitment. Mm-hmm. And when you see, and I think you guys talked about this on a previous episode, but like about like when an actor's having fun, you're having fun. And I think like that kind of like, that was Florence Foster Jenkins, like whether or not she deserved best actress, whatever, but just like, we're just like watching this woman have fun. And like, it's so much fun for an audience. Yeah, I think she, you can really tell she gets and connects with this character mm-hmm. and likes her a lot. Like, yeah. Cause there is a lot to like about you know, yes, very quirky and eccentric, but a lot to like about Florence Foster Jenkins. Like, that is kind of, like, the nice thing about this movie. We talked, you know, this kind of idea, these three misfits coming together and mm-hmm. creating a really wonderful world together yeah. where they can express themselves and express out, like, what they love. And, you know, it's, like, the first time we watched this movie, it really, like, comes at you fast with, like... Hugh Grant's there. Mm-hmm. Boy, they're married, but then he's leaving, and then he has this girlfriend at this other. Like what? And like, McMoon is very um, jittery, ambiguous. We'll just yeah. put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and- Did you guys? And he gets into bodybuilding at the end. Did you see the afterwards? That like yeah. blew my mind. <laughs> I, I want to. I said this before. I want to see the sequel to this movie where Simon Helberg gets buff and like yeah. just like it's just about him and his adventures in bodybuilding. Like, give me that. Mr. Universe Simon Helberg joint. Yes, please. <laughs> sold, sold. Yes. Uh, yeah, bring everybody back. Freer's directed. I, I'm, yeah, I'm into all, I'm into all that as well. Oh, man. I, but yeah, they were just like this, the strangest batch of characters, but so endearing too. Oh yeah. Like, I feel like as a person and viewer, in general, it's hard to like, in this moment of, in uh, history, it's hard to like rich people, I think. And oh, it's yeah. like, who wants to watch things about rich people? Like, life is hard. They're making so much money right now and no one else is. Um, so when you see like a rich person who really is like, and I mean this in the best way, a loser and like who has like loser-esque qualities that we all have. I it, like to me, like when I read a book where it's about a rich person who's like, endearing or a movie about a rich person who's endearing I'm like that is like very good writing to me when you can write someone who's rich and like make them like like one of your friends like mm-hmm. because I you know I yeah. hold such resentment towards yeah. <laughs> oh, rich <totally>. people <laughs> hate them they're the worst yeah and having actually watched this movie now three times there's this very feeling like you said the word friends like, like, I feel, like, very, very comforted 
when I'm with Florence St. Clair and Cosme. Like, I'm like, yes. oh, what a yeah. nice day I'm having with these people. <laughs> like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing that like came out, and this isn't uh, about Streep or whatever. I really noticed, so um, I think I've said this before, this was filmed in Liverpool, and there's like a lot of English actors with American accents. And I've really, more than any other viewing, I really got like the, oh, there's like that weird, there's like a weird American accent that English people do when they're pretending to be Americans. And it's like kind of like an an, uh, an ambiguous New Yorker. It's like sort of a New Yorker, but generic. And like, I think the guy who was like uh, Florence Foster Jenkins' vocal coach did it the best. Where it's like, my name is John Stone and I'll have a hot dog at the stadium, please. <laughs> like, it's just like, this is very like, it's such a weird. I, just... I would love to go watch American baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Coney Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I, and honestly i liked it it's fun i think it's Can a we fun talk story. about that though like how we we're say the ultimate version of that is eyes wide shut because it's like this version of new york that kubrick shot in england mm-hmm. that doesn't resemble new york at all but it no. resembles this weird dream new york that makes it more interesting because like it would have been half as interesting if he had flown to New York and shot those scenes with Cruz, like walking around frustrated. Yeah, I will say, New York. I don't know if you guys have ever watched the show Gossip Girl, but I feel like the show got like I was watching it one time and I'm like, this New York feels like eyes wide shut. And I should not be thinking about this because it's with the high school, rich high school kids. But like easily those kids are going to like be getting into that sex club eventually. And it was just like... <laughs> It was a very weird thought I had. It's like eyes, eyes wide shut, baby. Eyes wide shut. One of the mm-hmm. great takedowns of rich people mm-hmm. compared to you're not a celebration. They are not your friends. No, you don't shut. like They're them. Very, very sinister. I don't I, like I, them. I'll be real. And, I haven't seen eyes wide shut yet. My my eyes are shut. Should I should I watch it right now? Should I like? Oh. If you like, take a pause real quick. I. I'd say watch Florence Foster Jenkins again. <laughs> watch Eyes Wide Shut and then watch Florence Foster Jenkins again. And I think you'll have a good night. <laughs> Just like a like an like an Oreo of, of Eyes Wide Shut where the Oreo the, the cream is eyes wide shut, the sandwich cookies are Florence Foster Jenkins. Exactly. And then you'll you'll have a great dessert. <laughs> I think um I think Becky would agree with me here too. Patrick, we kind of do expect a twelve to thirteen page paper yeah. about your experiences after watching both films in that exact order that was described yeah the academic way to watch those and how did they relate and, and not we expect relate. something interesting yeah yeah well at that point yeah. mike i will be the college in like, level that will be i will be in the mouth of madness at that point i think that will be the thing that like you're seeing iron lady three times is like already straining my brain a little bit but like yeah i think that will be the thing that pushes me over uh i become a man that has seen the universe and wishes to close his eyes but never can uh some sort mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. lovecraftian villain i don't know <laughs> That's how i become yeah. a bat I become a Florence Foster Jenkins themed Batman villain. This is how set bad oh, sound man. That would yeah. be wild. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you could have uh like two sidekicks like Saint Clair oh, and man. Cosme as kind of your henchmen. Cosme and Saint Clair. Oh my god. If I ever write something that has two bumbling henchmen, Cosme and Saint Clair all the way. What great names. What great henchmen I just... names. And anytime you go into a room, anytime you go into a room, you should be like, 
Batman. See that. See if I was the Batman. Be like, villain, uh, I, you know those horror, you know those horror movies where they like make a noise and like it's deep at the distance. It's like you just. No, is that? Is that what I think it? <laughs> it's what? coming. Oh, they're close. They're coming. They're coming. <laughs> Go to the storm cellar. <laughs> Uh, I love it 28 days later, mm-hmm. but you get turned into a Florence Foster Jenkins. Mm-hmm. You're just as yes. fast and menacing as one of those zombies, but you do the, the you're dressed like Florence Foster Jenkins. You do the little beats. Uh, I love it. We're doing mm-hmm. it. It's happening. They could say I couldn't eat people, but they could never say I didn't eat people. <laughs> Wait, what is your secret ingredient to this potato salad? Oh, God. <laughs> Potato salad is people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good oh, Meryl Streep movie that. too. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loved her in that one. Yeah. What's it called? The uh, Soylent yeah. Green. She was great in it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Green. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her Chuck Loved Heston her in it. Great. Yeah. Yep. She's awesome. Yeah. When she's when she's when she salivated over that piece of celery or whatever happened to that, or was it a carrot? I can't remember. I can't mm-hmm. remember what that guy. I'm, mwah, classic. Yeah, that was so good. She was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when she just burst out. Speaking of. Yes. Speaking of weird effects, though, mm-hmm. that these movies are having, I did cry for the first time on Florence Foster Jenkins. I wanted to. Nice. But I was I was telling Patrick before we go on, it's because I sold my car of 15 years this morning right before I watched the movie. <laughs> and I was already feeling emotional and every beat of Florence today overtook me because I was like, I felt sad that I was moving on from the car of my 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of stuff. But I, 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 I do have to say, I think this movie despite the, my heightened emotional state, it is a very, very emotional film that works for me on a, oh, yeah. on a big level in that way. Like, the way it comes together, the way that they kind of joined forces to make it all happen, you know, mm-hmm. and getting through Cosme's skepticism and kind of the... I think we've seen so many movies where the Hugh Grant character would be sinister. Oh, yeah. And I think the first time I watched mm-hmm. it, I was like, when's this... When are we gonna find out he's using Florence? But yeah, or like when yeah. when are we gonna find out he's a smarmy dick? And then it's yeah. like, oh, he was just like nice the whole time, and I've never seen Hugh Grant like that in yeah. forever. <laughs> he was a decent guy who loved Florence, mm-hmm. who had a unique but acceptable um, kind of lifestyle with her. Yeah, which I that was like the coolest thing. Like that, like I mean, and it is just. Like, I know his, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, you know, had her, her, you know, there's always a movie where uh, the mistress is hiding in the closet while the guy is hanging out with his wife, you know, that's always, that's about one of my favorite, it's like, honestly, one of my favorite movie tropes, because I think in the world, we're always a mistress hiding in a closet while the man of our dreams hangs out with his wife, but um, it was, it, that I did, it was so interesting because it was like, that was like how, because I think, a feeling and I don't know if I got this wrong but like I had a feeling she knew that he didn't live in you know what I mean like she knew about her and was just like yeah like we're not gonna have like a regular marriage but we have companionship we have love and like and I was like that's really cool that's super cool it's really unexpected and like I think just one of the one of the nice of man many surprises of Mm -hmm. kind of the way this movie plays out yeah 
we talked a lot about it when we first reviewed this movie, like the poster for this movie mm-hmm. it makes it seem like it's just like the most bland, let's throw on some costumes. And mm-hmm. the, the depth and kind of the complications of this movie are pretty surprising. But I to get back to that scene where she's in the closet, that was a very, that was the most screwball scene Yes, in the entire movie too, because Cosme mm-hmm. is running around the show yeah. girl who we love. Uh-huh. She's great. I, I love like her. her. Oh, she's yeah. amazing. Oh, she I love yeah. her. Yeah, Nina Arianda. Yeah, she is very good. But yeah, kind of the running around and slipping on stuff, and you know, Cosme getting sick. It just it, it's a very fun scene. And coming off of, I really love the scene where Hugh Grant dances with oh. um mm-hmm. with her as well. I think it's just there's a lot of like real energy and life enjoy yeah to it. Like, i love the mm-hmm. the 40s dance where everyone's just like yeah we're gonna put our hands in the air now yeah and that's like yeah <laughs> it was like it's almost like they got like a pamphlet in the mail of like this is the popular dance moves everyone learn it before you go socialize <laughs> <laughs> i would have killed for that when i was 22 no oh, sure like, yeah please send me the dance could the proper dance because like the macarena to this day <laughs> yeah <laughs> second the electric slide started at my high school dance was the second i was like uh, probably time to go yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh do we have like i mean we probably you know quick final thoughts on florence um you know i think meryl from my side you know i think meryl's performance in this is kind of deceptive in how complicated it is like you think it's going to be a broad comedy piece i think at first and it turns out there's a quite a bit going on like you were saying back to you it's like there's acting in every Mm -hmm. and it's that's not and that's not a criticism yeah because it's just like i feel like you know meryl obviously there are just like these actors that like no matter what they're in they'll deliver you know like it's like like i like i just watched christine baranski in that dolly parton movie the with with the it was about Christmas or something, and it was a silly Christmas movie. And Christine Baranski, like, she delivered. She's one of those utility players. And, like, obviously, oh, yeah. Meryl Streep is like that, too. And so, like, even if Florence Foster Jenkins was way worse, which it, you know, was really, really good, I feel like, one, Meryl will still be nominated for an Oscar, and she'd still be really good, even though her character wouldn't have, like, the nuance that was very unexpected and amazing of this movie. I think, uh, yeah, it's again, it, third time through, it's a yeah. surprise. And mm-hmm. I will, it's, it's a surprise of a movie. And I will say, this is like when I feel like this movie more than, uh, mo- well, there's some movies like this on our, but I think at least at this point in the bracket, this is like one of the few movies I feel like you could 100% like just turn this bad boy on any time of the day. It's not like, you know, I'd be so comfortable watching this movie with my grandparents i'd be so comfortable watching this movie with my parents mm-hmm. and honestly like i don't even think like you know there's allusions to syphilis and some sexual stuff but it's honestly like i think kids okay. would like it too i think it's like i think a, i think a 10 year old would love like nina Ariana's performance and like you know meryl streep being kind of crazy and simon helberg i think it's like it's broad in a way that makes it accessible to a bunch of people, but the broadness doesn't take away from the complexity of the characters. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a movie that my parents would show me as a kid. They'll be like, you're not watching Marvel. You're watching Florence Foster yeah. Jenkins. Yeah. You're our kids. 
watch Big Daddy or watch no. Florence Foster Jenkins. <laughs> when my Avengers assemble, if Cosme McMoon isn't there, <laughs> it ain't my Avengers. Yeah. Put it that way. <laughs> my, my Avengers are ba- Batman, uh, Spider Man, Batman. Yeah, Batman, Batman, the Hulk, <laughs> Florence Foster, Foster Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Albert Brooks in defending your life. <laughs> oh, 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 Karen yeah, Silkwood. Of, Karen Silkwood is there. Yeah. Uh, both uh, Meryl Streep and Shirley MacLaine in postcards <laughs> from the edge. The edge, yeah. The edge, the literal edge. The edge, the edge. That she hangs the... from, yeah. Or uh, right. the edge that... from U2. That's what I thought you meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like yeah. that guy, he plays the weird looking guitar and has the hat. Him, he's yeah. great. And, uh, as we all know, there was a U2 song in Devil Wears Prada, so it does match, mm. it works. It connects and back to the there show. there is a U2 song in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, so it all oh, yes, comes back right, together. It all, all comes back together. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. right. From our... Uh, what were our musicals last episode, Patrick? I've, I've, I've totally. Oh, I wanted the River Wild, the musical. Oh yeah, you wanted River Wild. I wanted Hope Springs, the musical. That was uh, mm-hmm. our game. Was which Meryl Streep movie that isn't a musical yet? Would you like to turn into a musical? <laughs> and I was like, Give me Hope Springs, the musical, baby. I want to mm-hmm. see. I want to see uh, Tommy Lee Jones stand in soliloquies soliloquies about i don't know soliloquies i don't know i'm i'm I'm, I'm a broken man at this point (laughs) well i mean you just watch 80 million meryl street movies and i'm assuming that probably will get to you (laughs) patrick we're almost done we are almost done i'm just start bursting into tears like no that's good that's all good that's like i've literally it's gonna be like an hp lovecraft ending though to all of this we're gonna explode into the stars and into the moon and like the end of color out of space or something Mm -hmm. yeah my my skin will peel off and florence foster jenkins will arise (laughs) (laughs) nice i want to be here for that oh yeah the, the great molting yes Yes. Oh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but again, we like Florence Foster Jenkins. It is the Cinderella story of the tournament. Will mm-hmm. it continue, though? Because it's coming up against... Ooh, Iron Lady, big, uh, big contender. Uh, big contender, a film that, you know, it's... You know, we, when you watch a Death Becomes Her or a Defending Your Life or a Florence Foster Jenkins... We've had, you know, they may win, they may lose, but everyone who's seen them has said, yeah, that was nice. I enjoyed that. Uh, the same has not been said for the Iron Lady. The Iron Lady has been a t- is a tougher watch, I would say. It's a there are choices made in this movie that are interesting. I think would be a polite way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a wild film, and yeah. let's let's get to those stats. Let's move on to Iron Lady. Twenty eleven was mm-hmm. the release date. Directed by. Academy Academy favorite, Felita Lloyd, who oh, yeah. also directed Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Uh, written by Abby Morgan. The film was budgeted at $10.6 million and made $115.9 million. Wow. They made that Iron Lady. Wow, film. that's insane. Just compared to what <laughs> Florence Foster Jenkins made. Yeah, yeah that kind of yeah. blew my mind. Okay, sorry, I had a, a mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <It's, laughs> Uh, Iron Lady has a 52% Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating. Uh, Meryl Streep's performance as the Iron Lady is reliably perfect, but it's mired in bland, self-important storytelling. Mm. Mm-hmm. The uh, the film received two 
Academy Award nomination. Best makeup for Mark Coulier and J. Roy Helland, a um, fast becoming a character on each episode of the show because he is Meryl Streep's personal makeup and hairstylist and has oh. been since so choice. Oh, and wow. her theme days, mm-hmm. they won. Mm-hmm. And Best Actress Meryl Streep, and of course, she won. That's right. Yeah. Um, had you seen this movie before? I have not. No. Uh, watching it over the weekend was um, my first. Again, probably have a screener somewhere, just collecting <laughs> dust. <laughs> but I, but I uh, watched it via Prime. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, readily available, unlike Silkwood. Mm, I mean, come uh, on, guys. Did, did, yeah. Let's help us out, Prime. You know, you, it's the least you could do. Get your head in the um, game, Bezos. Did you? What, what, what were your um, what were your uh, thoughts on the Iron Lady? It's a it is a complicated one. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts. One is, <laughs> did you guys watch The Crown this season? Um, so Julian Anderson plays Margaret Thatcher, and whether or not it was accurate, you could not take your eyes off of her when she was in a scene. She like. It might have been like strenuous for Gillian Anderson to do whatever, but like she was so engaging and so nuanced. And I suppose like maybe the fact that it was a series, so you had like more opportunities to like really dig into her character, like that made it more interesting. So to watch this biopic um, was kind of just compared to Gillian Anderson and it was kind of it was just like I had to get my brain around Meryl Streep doing it and also being older um and I thought Meryl Streep is a mate she's so good in it I mean she's so great the biopic itself I thought I was a little disappointed in that because I thought it was like too rudimentary where like she's just walking around her house and she sees a vase and then all of a sudden flashback to her dad and it's like then like she goes to the next room and is like sees a shirt and he's like my husband and this is how she met her husband and like after seeing a movie like Selma where that is like that story is so interesting it takes place at this one point in like Martin Luther King's life like that's kind of what would have been cool if that movie did that like took place like when like during the vote when she was like leaving and and you had that one moment in history show this like interesting character that is Margaret Thatcher and like when I was watching it another thing I thought was like huh remember when bad politicians were smart <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Nixon and like yeah, who was like an evil genius. Like he's a genius, yeah, he's an evil genius, but he's smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I just I talked mean, forever. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> that's no, how fine. I know. No, it's, it's <laughs> very interesting. I mean, you know, I, I agree completely. I think that I mean, every time we've watched it, I've been like, you could have just made the movie about her decision making during the Falkland crisis. Yeah, and mm-hmm. made that the entire two-hour movie and captured every bit of her extremely complicated character that Uh, that would have been like that would have been such a good movie and I wonder if it's just it the what we saw was due to its time just like depending on when like other biopics came out like when did like if Lincoln came out after that like and that you know or like I know Selma did you know just like different like I don't yeah, know. Lincoln was a sim- real similar time frame to this. Okay. Selma was a little bit after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think like they were there. Uh, 
it was kind of at the tail end, certainly, of trying to figure out a way to fit the entire birth to death story into like a two. Mm -hmm. This movie, I think, is like, how many times do you ever say a movie is too short? This movie is too short. Like, it's 104 minutes to tell this entire story of a person who whose impact is still being felt in England. Yeah. Like probably the most important person of the last since Churchill, probably in England. Yeah. And Uh, it kind of flies by and there's a lot of stuff about her manic pixie dream husband. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The good, the weird, yeah. The weird great gazoo ghost that like follows her around and, puts on like does weird charlie chaplin bits yeah mm-hmm. and i get why i get why it's there because it's it's very specifically there because her her conservative speeches are kind of like we will close the schools yeah it's very like <laughs> it's like oh this I, this is hard to like like this person so it's like give her like this tender story mm-hmm. with it's her a- husband to kind of sympathize a little bit it's more. So like- clearly why it's there Oh, were you gonna say, Patrick? Sorry. Okay. Oh no, no. I was gonna say it's uh, funny too because like I, I watched like this. Um, so when I, I returned the DVDs today, like Silkwood and all them, and so I got like uh, Iron Lady on Blu-ray because I was like, oh, I wonder if there's like a, a commentary I can watch oh. this with or something, and like uh, no commentary. Uh, but I saw like there were some special features on it, so I was like, yeah, what the hell, I'll watch. And they're super slim. It was like the making mm-hmm. of the Iron Lady, and it uh, primarily it was so weird because it. It, it, it primarily for the special features primarily focused on the performances of the supporting actors like Meryl Streep gets like a minute in this like little this making of thing and then afterwards it's like they talk to Richard E. Grant almost twice as much almost twice as much as Meryl Streep which is really odd <laughs> but uh Patrick uh-huh. uh Patrick did they talk to Bill Nighy how <laughs> <laughs> rude how dare you although <laughs> no nicholas farrell no oh. nicholas farrell a, a, a big shock a lot of anthony uh anthony head though uh, i was so excited to see him by the way that man ages so well and i was like yes that was the best it. part of the movie he's so good in it oh yeah. my god oh he the, yeah he's the gentleman who ha- who has the typographical errors Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and he's oh. like the first one to resign, yeah. and it was like that was such a good. Oh my god, that scene actually, that scene was pretty good. That's yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like where she's just like doesn't say anything. Like haven't we all been there before? And like, <laughs> yeah, that might be um, that might be like one of the best. That's in my personal top two or three scenes in the whole series of the mm-hmm. Academy Academy. It's such a well done. But um, the thing I was trying to say is uh, Jim Broadbent. They talk about his role, and it is just like he is there just to like be the humanizing element. That's like, that's what Felita Lloyd and Abby Morgan, that's what Abby Morgan says herself. She's like, yeah, like they needed like a humanizing element, someone that can like show the tender side. It's like literally what you're saying, Donald, show the tender side of uh, Jim Broadbent. And it's like, Mm -hmm. and I get that they have to do it because it is like, it's a hard, it's not an enviable position to be in to make a movie like this about Margaret Thatcher, where you have to like, yeah. It's, it's a, um, it's 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 incredibly complicated because she's such an important person to history, important person to kind of you know as being the first female prime minister as having that much power and especially in the like 1980s being 
basically at the same level as Ronald Reagan. Oh yeah. Um, so it's very like it's 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 an amazing story of a rise and kind of well, inspirational in a sense, but because her uh, political beliefs are so intense and so harsh, and when you hear her say it in the movie, or even the young one when she's at dinner earlier mm-hmm. in the movie, you're just like, oh my, like how are you like twenty and feel like you know essentially like if they can't work then we should drown them you know yeah Mm -hmm. oh man yeah it's very it's very weird and like that my thing is is that i they didn't need jim broadbent like i don't need to see a likable character like i could just like yeah like i feel like there's so many movies with like oh god the one christian bale he was the uh vice president oh cheney yeah like oh vice that like he like maybe there was a scene with some redeeming qualities with his daughter and like that was all we needed to be engaged like we don't need like with this and i i'm curious if it is due to how women are portrayed in the films like this like oh do we constantly need to remind everyone that she had a really supportive husband and like it's like, yeah, we all knew that she had a great husband. We only need, we could only use like one scene of that. And mm-hmm. then we'd still be very intrigued to watch like the downfall of this woman um, and to like see how her brain worked and like what what really was going on. And I just thought the husband thing, I love Jim Broadbent. He's, oh, yeah. what a guy, what a guy. But um, it, it was so, it was just like, it kind of just felt like, someone was like dude you got to do a save the cat and you got to save the cat in every act of this movie you know <laughs> <laughs> you can only save so many cats uh, but uh yeah yeah but and her save the cat is like your husband liked you <laughs> like yeah. what <laughs> no one yeah. liked you but this guy did yeah <laughs> he had a relationship that was non-dysfunctional i think, uh, wait, I think you hit on a really really good point there about like you could pull off like a movie about a male figure who is in charge mm-hmm. for some reason like and i i'm sure executives or whatever feel like people will buy into two hours and 15 minutes of them being an asshole mm-hmm. and a monster like dick cheney and i like vice a lot because i thought vice was a very angry movie like, yes it was yeah. it, it was all that what it had no interest at all in displaying him as anything but a monster mm-hmm. um this movie i think is a little on, uh, on very unsteady ground in terms of what it wants to say mm-hmm. about her. I, I don't will, think. Yeah, well, go ahead, Patrick. I was gonna say. I will say two things. Okay, I will say I like Vice, but I, I will say the one thing I don't like about Vice is how didactic that movie gets. It's like the same problem I have with Big Short, where they have to like yeah. always have these weird like. This is exactly how it was back in the six in the nineteen twenties or thirties or whatever mm-hmm. seventies rather. But uh, they always go on these weird tangents. And it's just show me a movie. Just show me like a, a straight up narrative. But uh, but uh, the thing I want to say too is I think that you guys said earlier. I think you could have even had Jim Broadbent in this movie, uh, but if they had done like what both of you suggested, where they just filmed a specific moment in time or they just like yeah it was like the Falkland Islands war or parliament like one thing that was interesting about the special features was they what they talked about the most was like the parliament scenes and how much they loved filming those and recreating those and the all mm-hmm. the actors the british uh, actors that they brought for that brought in for that they called themselves like the mothballs or something like we're like the only english actors left that speak standard english and 
we're all weird gentlemen and we're so much and they were like and they had so much like they had so much pride for the mothball boys or whatever and so like mm-hmm. you could have had like this amazing movie it sounds where like just, a doo-wop group yeah just like richard e grant and, yeah. and, and all those like weird pasty englishmen and i was like order 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 and then they sing a song oh yeah with the yeah with the british bernie sanders yeah yeah i know i love the fact that they order. Yeah, order. You know, five five years before bernie sanders became a true national figure in the united states they get this guy who clearly is the Bernie Sanders of the opposing party yelling at her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who legit looks like James Adomian is Bernie Sanders. It yeah. Really does. So, <laughs> it totally yeah. yeah mm-hmm. But, uh, but uh, it is like, like that would have been such a great movie and you could have had Jim Broadbent in the movie in a way that wasn't cloying or clo- cloying or forced. I think the, mm-hmm. the biggest problem with Jim Broadbent is like he's like a weird ghost and they and it's like you don't or like he's like a he's like a a, a, a side effect of her uh fall into dementia uh and number one that's not how dementia works you don't get like weird wacky invisible best friends when you have to like you know that, yeah that was yeah. that that was one thing that bothered me too is that like <laughs> it was like kind of like a what was the movie with Russell Russell Crowe. Oh my God, a beautiful mind. Yeah. A beautiful mind. And it was like, kind of like, it was like, that's not like a, like a a (laughs) symptom of how, like, you know, growing older is. I, well, I don't know. I could be wrong, but the thing is, is that like, I think what it tried to do was make this movie about grief. Mm -hmm. And if it was just about her grief over her husband, great, you know, make it about that, but don't, but but don't make it about this biopic and then also i don't really like it does i i didn't need her husband like yeah, i didn't don't. need him in it you really don't need it and like especially in the end it's like yeah well, yeah like it's also- like oh like the her the lesson that she had to learn was to let go of her husband like that's the lesson margaret thatcher needed to learn like what it wasn't starving the miners yeah <laughs> <laughs> That would have been an interesting movie if she was suddenly yeah. haunted by the ghosts of thousands of angry wealthy. I, I mean, I honestly, yeah, I, that would have been really like fascinating if they just mm-hmm. made this a hardcore lefty movie that was just like in her dementia, she realized how wrong she was about all of her political choices, and that would have been truly controversial. Like it's like a Christmas Carol or so. She's visited yeah. by ghosts of miners past. <laughs> Yeah. Bob, Bobby Sands, the mm-hmm. the guy who Michael Fassbender played in Hunger, comes mm-hmm. to visit her. Oh God! But but I I think like the wild part about this movie though is like in when we were watching it, they fly so fast through like the strikes, mm-hmm. through the Falkland War and conflict, like each of the events. And I know this is like a British movie, but if Meryl Streep is in it. It's gonna play worldwide, and I was like a little like, but they're just like, okay, that kind of seemed to go well, but I don't understand what the nuances or like controversy was here because it's these are all very British situations, mm-hmm. and it's and I think the other issue is that um, I said at the top this movie cost ten point six million dollars, and I think it shows like oh yeah one it's in one house the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're trying to have this sweeping story of like, like 
England over the course of a decade, and half the shots are like these low-angle shots of her looking out the window of her car, mm -hmm. and then to going to documentary footage, and it's just... Um, I think they were hampered, perhaps, by that. Perhaps they had a script that was, you know, two hour, two and a half hours long, two, two hours and 45 minutes long, and then they ran mm -hmm. into severe budget issues and kind sure. of were like, we need to, we got Meryl Streep, so we got to make this movie. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, I just I just assume that they probably spent like 80% of their budget licensing that badass uh, punk song about Meryl Streep. Margaret Thatcher, yeah. Thatcher, oh god, brain ruined. Uh, but yeah, about Margaret Thatcher, like the what was what was it? Meryl, Mar I keep wanting to say. I want to marry Street. Margaret Thatcher. Mm -hmm. I oh, marry man. Margaret Thatcher. Oh uh, man, that's a clash song. It would have been really interesting though if we had like they gave so much like to switch back to Dennis real quick here. Mm -hmm. They gave him so much scene time and so much about the relate. I don't know him. Like, I know no. we were, it doesn't really matter that we don't know him because it is mm -hmm. her story. But if you're going to give him that much, it's like, so he kind of did a mediocre Charlie Chaplin impression. And that's what yeah. made you, made him the love of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, in The Crown, it's, they do a good job. It, again, it's really hard to watch this movie after the fourth. You guys should watch it. It's, it's, it's like phenomenal. Um, and like, in The Crown, you kind of see why this jovial husband is important to her and like mm -hmm. why she's so devoted to him. It's because she's so set in her ways of a woman's role in a household, despite the fact that she's the prime minister. And that's what makes it so interesting. And I was expecting this movie to show that. There is one moment where like Margaret kind of, um, admonishes her daughter she's like oh like women should be that like you, you're not what is what did she you know what you know the scene i'm talking about where she's like like to olivia coleman something about like you're something something woman why can't you be more like your brother or woman or maybe it's like, um, she's like crying or something or like is it like when she that's it yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. when she when like she announces she's running for prime minister and then she's like why is it always about you or oh after yeah. the driving lesson where mm -hmm. they like kind of gleefully laugh after nearly running down a cyclist <laughs> yeah <laughs> that kind of is like really confusing like you might kill him you might kill him turn him over and then it's like Just got out of that sticky wicket. He probably yeah. voted Labour. Yeah. So big loss. <laughs> He's on a bike and not a motor vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> can, can afford an automobile? Uh, we, will, we, will, like, we will judge his worth by how much he gives back to society. <laughs> Some oh my board. god. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was it's it is it's such a and the way it's shot and kind of the really like i don't know I, I i don't know how the crown is shot and kind of tells the story in a cinematic sense but this one moves so fast and it's so like there's so many flashy moves and with meryl streep like we were talking about the mike nichols ones recently and like mm -hmm. postcards and so cool and stuff like that he just sets up a camera because he understands what he has Mm -hmm. and lets her do her thing you don't need anything else beyond her and i think that this movie kind of it feels almost like a wasted opportunity because meryl streep was so game so ready to play this part and i just don't know if like the script and the direction and just the overall tone that they took kind of lives up to what they had in streep 
Sure. Yeah, you could definitely tell that Meryl was being over-directed, I feel. Just in terms of, like, the blocking. I don't know. Like, I, I just, like, got this sense that, like, she, like, oh, like what you said, like, if they were just like, okay, Meryl, do your thing. And we would have gotten, like, a much in more interesting Margaret Thatcher. Um, with the crown, each episode is takes place during one like moment in history. So there's only one episode that's about the Falklands. You have an hour long thing about the Falklands. And then like um, when uh, Margaret Thatcher gets, um, is no longer the leader, it's like that's one episode where you see this like downfall where she's, you know, stepping down. And like, it's like this great like look you know, it, it, at a character that's like, you know, a day in the life of this character. And it's like, that's what I wish this movie was, you know? Yeah, it, I, I usually, I, I'm, a, I'm a movie guy over TV or miniseries sure. guy. Mm-hmm. But this, like after watching Iron Lady the first time, my first thought was like, and I didn't even know the crowd was doing what they were doing. But uh, yeah, this is a 10 hour story and there is i looked when i there is an, an iron lady miniseries that was made and i was like gonna watch it after this but it's and it's I, but i was like i, I have to go to bed <laughs> i'll be watching <laughs> yeah. margaret totally. thatcher all night <laughs> I, um yeah. yeah taking a deep dive into the 1980s england and becoming mm-hmm. a real expert at that. i'm starting a new podcast about margaret thatcher and oh. <laughs> And all of the corresponding uh, uh, bio biopics, books, just every kind of uh, Margaret yeah. Thatcher related cultural items, all the punk songs. Yep, real Thatcher head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lover, lover. Yep. Well, Thatch, I mean, Thatchcast. not not to overstep, but we'll, we'll, we'd be happy to be your first guests. Oh, fabulous! Yeah, because right. I feel like when you guys are you like when you like turn on TV now, do you expect to see Meryl Streep and like? When you are like, is everyone looking like every person you see looking like Meryl Streep now? Yeah, like all, have you guys. My question is, have you guys gone nuts? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'll watch an episode of The Sopranos and like James Gandolfini's face has like a little Meryl mm-hmm. on it, and like Michael Imperioli's like street bully, like they're all just a little gaggle of Merrills causing hijinks. Mm-hmm. I do like the Kevin Bacon game. Mm. Whenever I'm watching something else, it's like I'll see like. Like Fred Ward is in Tremors with Kevin Bacon. He's also in mm-hmm. Soakwood with Meryl Streep. And you know, you're just boom, you know, it's like yes, it just kinda like yeah. it turns it on. But all I know is like all I want to watch are like trashy, like grindhouse kind of movies. Mm-hmm. I, like that's yeah. like all I want to get back to watching is like the kind of movies that Meryl Streep would never in a million years want to or even like and would per- probably personally find offensive. It's like, oh, I want to watch like revenge movies. Like, my mm-hmm. wife is gonna guest on a podcast about canon films, mm-hmm. like in a week and a half, and um, she has to watch Charles Bronson's film Murphy's Law. She's like, "Do you want to oh. watch that with me?" And I'm like, "I want to watch that with you <laughs> so badly." <laughs> yeah. And she's like, "I want to, I want to know more. Like, can you give me like a." Like a general like overview of Bronson, like what movies I if I so I could be kind of expert when I go on the show. I'm like, can I? Oh, let's watch Death Wish Four. Let's just get into mm, it. Like that's where yeah. I, that's where I'm at. Like I don't want class. I just want trash. Yeah, so, I love it. I'm with you in a different way, where like I'm not like uh, watching like super intense movies, but I am like playing. Uh, God, I've been playing Pikmin Three so much lately. I'm just on this like Pikmin Three. <laughs> 
like just bender right now where like I just want to like just get these little weird ant people, little ant plants to help me <laughs> help me find fruit and it's so calming mm-hmm. just going on these little adventures and then I've been like reading like Don Rosa and Carl Barks uh, Duck Cop Donald Duck comics. And so basically like my response to all this Meryl Streep stuff is like I have like I've just I have the the, I think I told Don this last night. I now have like the taste of a precocious 10 year old. Like that's like (laughs) my taste right now. We're like I'll watch Mike Nichols Uh movies and stuff like like, very erudite stuff but then I'm also reading like you know the adventure like the life and times of Scrooge McDuck. Actually, I just oh, got nice. You gotta oh, yeah. even it yeah. out. Oh, yeah. totally. Actually, I just got like a was it the 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 Dick Kenny Al Hubbard stuff. That shit's underrated. See the true duckheads. You know, everyone will tell you. <laughs> everyone will tell you. You know, Don Rosa, Carl Barks. That shit's the fire shit. But like on top of that, you gotta throw in a little Dick Kenny and Al Hubbard. Guess what? They not only did they work on the best Woody Woodpecker shorts, and most of those are garbage. But they also made a feathery duck, who's like an S tier Donald Duck character, underrated. I love me some feathery duck. Oh, he's like Donald Duck's weird, uh, obtuse cousin. <laughs> I love him. Look at this guy. Look at this. This guy. is amazing right now, by the way. Like, like, yeah, I'm just gonna give it. Keep going. Keep going. Go. Yeah, like just <laughs> keep talking about the duck universe, because oh. man, this is fascinating. <laughs> You know, you got your Gladstone Gander. You got your, uh, I'm trying to think of the other, like, good duck uh, duck characters. You got, you know, obviously Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the exploits of Gyro Gearloose. Uh, you know, I just, I love me some ducks. And, like, uh, it's so weird because I think, like, most of them, like, so many, like, uh, like a lot of the stories from, like, Indiana Jones and, like, um, Star Wars, like, a lot, like, a lot of, like, big name, like, George Lucas Steven Spielberg, they took like they they straight up like ripped ideas from old Carl Barks Donald Duck cartoons and used them as big big ass plot pieces in like Indiana mm-hmm. Jones and like those huge films. So like I don't know, they're good, they're good. You read yourself some Duck homies. Yeah, I'm glad that it's like this like good balance between Meryl Streep and and ducks. Like I'm so curious about like what your dreams are at night. Like, like is it just like a mixture of Meryl Streep and ducks? Like, yeah, it's, what it's, is happening? It's Meryl Streep with that big be- duck beak. We are keeping it along, though, because, like, we did bring it up in our last episode. I did ask Patrick if he had had any Meryl Streep dreams mm-hmm. yet. No Meryl Streep dreams yet, but um, I, I don't think they're far off. I really oh. don't think they're far oh, off. There, I bet you, there. like, once you've completed this, like, and you're on to your next celebrity, like, you're gonna, both of you are gonna have, like, a really random Meryl Streep dream and be like, oh, it finally happened. Like, Meryl Streep was existing somewhere in my brain. Yeah. yeah. He finally made an appearance. <laughs> I, I, I saved yeah. her at the end of Silkwood. Oh, spoiler alert for Silkwood. Spoiler alert for yeah. Silkwood. Spoiler alert. Uh, come on, guys. They shouldn't know the end of Silkwood. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I, I just can't. I, I'm never gonna forget Patrick. The second, I wish we were a visual show, because the second you started talking about the Duck comic books, you just like lit up like a firework. It was just your eyes lit up, and you're like, I've been waiting for this moment. I, I'll sec- yeah, I'll second that. Like, I think part of the fascination, like, my mouth agape was due to, like, how animated, literally, no, animated you got over ducks, and it was just so... I, it was the most, it's the most endeared I've ever been. And it was great. <laughs> uh, I think that could be our first viral moment. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love those little ducks. They're great. They're fun. Yeah. And like, yeah, and I'm just, and I'm just true uh, passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you ever want to like uh, waste like uh, they're not waste? It's fun. Like ten to twenty minutes. Just like a Don Rosa house tour. And he's the guy who was like the guy who wrote the Donald Duck comics after uh, Carl Barks, who kind of like established a canon for the Duck universe. What an insane thing to say. <laughs> but uh, I'm a wild person. But uh, <laughs> but uh, like slow down. <laughs> but uh, uh, he's uh, he just like uh, his house is just like this like insane like tomb of ducks, and like he oh, his like is it like think- um the tim robinson's show the jim davis's house oh yeah the garfield it's 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 like that that, but not as terrifying it's like endearing it's like if that can somehow be endearing that's what that is (laughs) right uh okay we gotta i gotta get back that was great man like yeah though that was truly um that was truly inspired i Mm -hmm. don't but uh wow uh yeah I think we need we all need to take a breath after that incredible moment. Mm-hmm, but um, mm-hmm. you know, I think I there's just something there's something, you know, missing in the Iron Lady. I think mm-hmm. that that's kind of at the end of the day whether it's like kind of a choice of what plot line you want to follow to kind of a choice and if you're going to praise or critique Thatcher's politics. Mm-hmm. Like I think that there's just a variety of um, missed opportunities, and especially like we were talking. Uh, the director, Felita uh, Lloyd, uh, also made Mamma Mia, which is a crazy movie. Like this is a crazy movie, but a crazy movie in kind of the right ways. Oh yeah, Mamma Mia is great. It's great. Yeah, and um, I wish I almost wish this had like. I think all the trying, songs. like all the songs and oh, man. I don't like but like kind of like the conviction to make a really like crazy passionate choice mm-hmm. and just go with it oh, man. And, like, I this is what we're doing and we're living with it and you can judge it for what you want I can you know? 100% imagine I, Richard e. would have been cool yeah I could 100% imagine Richard E. Grant just belting Waterloo like in Parliament <laughs> like, and, and, he could he could, I mean, I, I, not that I would ever say that any of the Holy Three men in Mamma Mia should be recast, but <sighs> Richard E. Grant could have been maybe Colin Firth's part or perhaps Stellan Sarsgaard, but not, not Pierce Brosnan. I can't no, believe you would replace clear. Colin Firth. I am so offended right now that you would ever <laughs> I think don't of want to, I Colin don't want Firth. to replace any yeah, of them. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I feel like that guy, he's stable. He's the one who stays. Pierce Brosnan, I mean, I know I'm completely wrong. I know you guys like it. I know I'm like completely wrong in this, but listen, I'm a the, the, the fan of Pride and Prejudice. Never replace the first. <laughs> Never replace the first. Okay. <laughs> uh, see, I'm, see, You're I'm here a... first. Mm-hmm. Hashtag I... never replace the first. Ha- yeah. Uh-uh. And, I'm, and I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a Skarsgård uh, unskeptic. I'm like a never replace the Skarsgård. Like that. Wow. So we each have our own. Yeah. We're like Power Rangers. We each have our own little like. You're the first. You're the. You're the Brosnan, I'm the Skarsgård, and we each, you know, I have water power, you have fire, you have energy or crystal, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, yeah. 
This is fa- okay. This is such a fantastic like- character oh, study as to like who we are. Yeah. Why are we choosing yeah. this these specific suitors from <laughs> Mia? Yeah, why are you attracted to each of these particular suitors? <laughs> I mean, I, I know this is happening at middle school lunch tables all across America. Boys are sitting with their friends, just like I did among like G.I. Joe characters or mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. Nowadays they're all sitting around like, which guy, which suitor am I in Mama Mia? Yeah. After after this bros. I don't know why, and- but I, I'm a Brosnan. I'm a Brosnan fan. Okay. I, I respect uh, that. I, I'm first. I admire that he cannot <laughs> sing, but like like Florence, he loves to sing, and right. he's gonna do it regardless. And mm-hmm. he can't, you know, sing a lick. But who cares? He's into <laughs> it and he's feeling it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just like that Skarsgård is like the most out of shape, yet he's the one you see the most booty of, and just like. I know something about that is just beautiful to me and his weird like his evil eye butt tattoo oh man like if I ever get a tattoo it's gonna be an evil eye and it's gonna be on my booty like it's just Patrick any um we gotta know everybody's dying to hear it came up uh any pepper updates oh pepper uh haven't talked I haven't talked to him yet I haven't contacted him yet I need to contact him still maybe Maybe immediately after this episode, I'll send Pepper the, the Twitter because like I want to get, I want to get my boy Pepper. We, if, you um, if you don't remember the character, we genuinely Pepper, want. Yeah, bring him up in the background. We yeah. genuinely want one of the supporting players from Mamma Mia to come on our show to be interviewed about Mamma Mia. It's the gentleman who played the part of Pepper, the bartender, and and he does the wonderful sex music song with mm-hmm. uh, Christine Baranski. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, man, where's, where's we got a we got a boatload of questions for him, and we'd love to have him on the show. We'll okay, I'm this. gonna I'll tweet as much as possible. I'll reach out to my people, <laughs> see yes. what see if they can help. Talk to Big Hollywood about it. We'll get oh, yeah. all involved. Yeah, I have a, I have Big Hollywood in my pocket. Don't yeah, worry. <laughs> that, that's 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 not Pepper. But if anyone can get a, a handle on the the Greek dude right there who looks like yeah. like if, mm-hmm. if, if they had like a a Greek version of Chef Boyardee, like a Greek, like whatever, like Chef Boyardee's like Greek equivalent is, he'd be the mascot for it. I want to talk to that. Yeah. Man. <laughs> this mysterious. It man. is wild. What What if Mamma Mia had made it this far in the tournament? What if Mamma Mia had beaten Florence Foster Jenkins? I mean, uh, like, it's tough. We'd be sitting here having to watch Mamma Mia again and really losing our minds. Oh be, yeah. Um, Truly yeah, special. that that sounds like um that sounds like I would go nuts if I had to watch it. I watched it once and was like, <laughs> I think I'm going nuts. And yeah. so, <laughs> um, I mean, I loved it, but I, there's only so much Abba I can do. There, there he is. There's our there's, man. There's there he is. is. We're gonna find odd. him. Pepper, come on the show. Pepper, please. Little and we will we will be sincere and genuine. We, we promise you that we are genuinely interested about the entire onset Mamma Mia experience. Like, what was it from like? Your, yeah. What was it like to have Christine Baranski put you into a weird towel diaper? We need to know. Okay, <laughs> I just want to like just ask you about your process. Have you looked this guy up? Are you following him on the various social medias? Have you sent him any DMs? I haven't. I, he's on Twitter, but I haven't <laughs> sent him a DM yet. I, okay. I, I just, uh, I, I, I forgot to last night, so I need to. I got fair to, point. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I will. You know, what? I'm gonna follow him right now, though. I'm gonna follow okay. him. Nice. Follow him from the Academy Academy account. And he's he posted on January 13th, so he's still active. Oh, great. 
Great, and I see you've got one of the hunks from Death Becomes Her behind you Ooh. now. Like, oh yeah, rolling with the hunks. Oh yeah, sure. oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I got oh boy, I got but all. I guess that's what we're trying to get at is, for some reason, we would accept Iron Lady as being a crazy, playful movie far more than I think what it, even in what it is now. I just think it mm -hmm. needed to make up its mind mm -hmm. to be something, even if it was. Like arch conservative, at least it would have kind of made a um, made more of a choice. But that being said, I think Meryl Streep. This is kind of like I was just reading in Anatomy of an Actor, Karina Longworth's great book about mm -hmm. Meryl Streep that she kind of saw this as a she that she feels she won the Oscar for this is kind of a cumulative celebration of streep's later career in yes like yeah. post devil wears prada onwards of kind of streep's kind of amazing level of hits that she had at a late 50s onward and um, i that's exactly what i thought when she was walking up to that stage to accept the oscar like that's like i remember thinking that yeah and i think that this is yeah i agree it's like Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, it's complicated. Doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, she's so good in that movie. Oh yeah. Doubt. Unfortunately, yeah. lost in the first round to Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, Kramer. Well, I mean, she's incredible in that movie too. Yeah. Why did you guys do this to yourself? You're making so many hard decisions. <laughs> well, I, I am filled with. I, you know, unlike I, much like the sister. Uh, <laughs> and doubts. I am filled with doubts as yeah. well. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you're certainly so... not as serious, but close yeah. to mm -hmm. what she's arguing about. Sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. pretty mm -hmm. like you know, hers are like a nine, yours is like a seven and seven yeah. and a half. Hey, we're in the yeah. we're playing the same game. We're playing yeah. the same sport here. But yeah, I, I, like even like the fact that Iron Lady is here over Kramer versus Kramer, I'm still conflicted about that vote because i think like i kind of as we are hitting kind of into our final thoughts on iron lady and into the big vote mm -hmm. i'm so conflicted about iron lady because obviously what she's doing is she's kind of bringing the whole street package patrick you've said it many times before it feels like this was created in a lab to win mm -hmm. meryl streep an academy award yeah uh mm -hmm. and she's it's not like she's slumming or doing a bad job. She's like, hey, she's yeah. really doing a great job in it. But does it have kind of the depth that Joanna Kramer does or Karen Silkwood does or perhaps Florence Foster Jenkins does? I don't I don't know. I, I still feel very – every single time – Patrick, when was the last time you went into one of these final votes like certain about anything at all? Oh man, I don't even know anymore, man. Yeah. I don't need it's all it's all a haze, brother. It's all a haze. I feel like I feel like kind of like uh, Matthew McConaughey making this <laughs> boat there. Hey man, uh, what's the this classic phrase? Ta time is a uh, round rhombus or whatever the hell. That's 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 exactly it. That's what he said. Dazed and confused. Hey, man, the, these circles get flatter, and I <laughs> the same. I, I bought my brother his new autobiography for his birthday a few weeks ago. Semi-joke, but semi-like, I bet he will enjoy this. He read it in like a day, and he's like, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Because it's uh, it's in McConaughey's voice. 
and kind of in his cadence. It's not tried to, it's not attempted to be written as anything else. So it's just like, that's what I said, man. Green light. And I move forward. And you're just like, whoa, Makade. Um, my friend has a very funny story about Makade where she was, um, inter- this was years ago. She was interning at the um, Austin Film Festival and they were like showing a movie, like it's some documentary that he produced and the film projector broke and they were like freaking out, didn't know what to do. All this, the audience is waiting, they're complaining and they're like freaking out. And so Matthew McConaughey <laughs> comes up and he's like, don't worry, I got this. <laughs> he grabs the microphone and he's, and he just starts, this is what he says, because this is right after 9-11. And he was oh, like, "Perfect." a month ago, two <laughs> planes hit the Twin Towers. And then he just started this whole amazing discussion about terrorism and art and like all this stuff. And it saved the festival. And so now she's just like, Matthew McConaughey will always be my hero. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that like, I, I just read uh, this really, really excellent um, oral history of Days to Confused that came mm-hmm. out last year. And they were kind of just talking about how when they first met him, they were like, yeah, he's like, he like showed up like, oh, this guy is a star. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like showed up and he was at the University of Texas. And you're like, oh, this guy's got it. And then they're, but then they're like, when they got back together again, they're like, yeah, well, in the 90s, what he would do his kind of like, weird motivational speaker stuff in conversation it was fun and endearing Mm -hmm. and now that he's this rich megastar and he's still doing it it's kind of like are you talking to anyone other than just kind of doing a monologue for your own pleasure like yeah yeah and it's like i but i don't care you know what i mean like it's just like right yeah (laughs) he's like a warm bomb Uh, yeah i I, I remember a few years ago we're like what's what would be like the ultimate like hang with a celebrity and we kind of like narrowed it down to wine country with McConaughey oh wow yeah so you get a little toasted and just let him go and I think uh I think you'd have a really good time um... yeah a much funner sideways (laughs) (laughs) when I went to Austin I like took a trip by myself to Austin and I went on like one of those van tours but and I swear to God, every single spot was like, Matthew McConaughey take, likes to take his jogs around here. And then over there, Matthew McConaughey, oh, that's where people sometimes join him on his jogs. And Matthew McConaughey used to, uh, that's where he learned how to swim or something. And I'm like, and they are so proud of McConaughey there. <laughs> we should do him. We should do him for one of the next seasons. You I think it'd should. be wild. That would be Ooh, so be much fun. Oh, so yeah. Much fun. yeah. Audience, yeah. let us know. You want to see us do a full on McConaughey season? Oh, we're, we uh, could. It would at least be um, outside of probably having to watch Dallas Buyers Club five times. <laughs> like, it would be rather, uh, mm-hmm. it would be a rather enjoyable time. Oh, otherwise, Because totally. he's, he's a fun hang in most of his movies. He'd oh, probably man. get on the show. Maybe if, like, you guys, like, really blow up. Like, he'll come on and, like, talk to you about his motivational stuff. So you tell, have a really deep dis- discourse. He has well, his discourses. Send him a Ooh. DVD of The Iron Lady. And see what he thinks. Yeah. And let him go for like an hour. And then mm-hmm. tell him about the duck stuff, Patrick. I think he'd be really into it. I think oh, he'd yeah. be more into the duck stuff than the Iron Lady. Yeah, to I be think so too. <laughs> I think he'd be really interested in the duck stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give him my 10 minute spiel on why Dick Candy should be considered uh, on par with Carl Barks and Dodd Rose as one of the, the three good duck writers, not just <laughs> Dodd Rose. He's, he's good too. Just saying. Just saying. Wow. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. All right, well, does anyone have any final 
thoughts on Iron Lady before we move into the uh, the Tuches and also uh, who moves on to the finals? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll say just my piece really quickly. Uh, you know, like uh, as much as this movie uh, gets a little tougher to watch every time, like Streep is still like really good in it. Like she is like it is like you know a, a, a perform a, a performance a role that was grown on a petri dish designed for Streep to perfectly execute. And it is like from her cadence to that scene with uh, Anthony Head, which is like. Probably, you know, I will say it. It might be the best acted, like, just in terms of just, like, one scene. It might be the best scene with the exception of maybe Kramer versus Kramer, like, that first moment in Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, you know, she, she and, and her accent is pitch perfect. Uh, she's, 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 a, she's, a, she's a stone-cold acting thug in this bad boy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I'm looking through the I'm looking through the Wikipedia page, and I think that's a uh, Gene Patrick Shallot review right there. Yeah, she's a so cold acting thug. I'm Gene Patrick Shallot. <laughs> Salutations. That's a, a character we came up with an, an episode ago or two episodes. <laughs> Maybe uh, who knows? We're, we've recorded so many recently. We don't know the order anymore. Oh yeah, no, um, like the, the circles get flatter. Did you have any final thoughts on Iron Lady? Um, no. I mean, I feel like I agree with all of you. Um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I, I am a, I'm an agreeance. That's the kind of like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> all right. Um, so uh, as we head into the decisions here, well, let's go around the circle first. We'll take it the light and easy before we get to the heavy lifting choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week's Stanley Tucci Award. Stanley Tucci Supporting Player of the Week. Of course, last week we said goodbye to Stanley Tucci and Devil Wears Prada. Uh, we're, still, yep. we're still feeling it. Uh, and um, But our uh, Kevin Klein holding down the fort in Sophie's Choice is our other favorite uh, street co-star. Yeah, he's so okay in that. No, I'm kidding. Around, he's but, amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, he's just a brilliant man. Um, Patrick, who's your, is, who is your Stanley Tucci winner this week? Uh, man, I got to, you know gotta set things right gotta right the wrongs i know i already did it but i have to say it again nicholas farrell <laughs> i'm giving you the proper tooch it's you baby you're good as hell i felt bad for you i thought you were going to be in the movie for so long based on how you were introduced as like yeah her as best Ar- friend yeah as harry neve her best friend is like oh it's harry neve i can't wait for the adventures Boom. of harry neve and <laughs> <laughs> Margaret Thatcher, and then he's gone in like ten minutes. Uh, but he's great. And then, uh, uh, and then in addition, another mothball, uh, Anthony Head. I have to. Mm. He's very good as the as uh, Jeffrey Ho. And what's interesting too, um, oh man, I wish we talked about this more. Uh, is uh, it, when they were talking about the when they brought him up in the special features. Uh, Philida Lloyd, she said that like, yeah, he's Is like Philida or Felita. It might be Felita. It might be Felita. I don't know. I've never and... heard it out loud. We apologize. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. We, give us... we, you're a great director. We apologize. You're very good. But she, uh, she was talking about how like he's like supposed to be like, yeah, he's the downfall of Meryl Streep. 
which is interesting. She brought that up. I don't know. That's like something, or she's, I keep saying Meryl Streep. She's the downfall of Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher. Um, this, this, this is damn movie skimming the surface about everything. I want to, yeah, I want to mm-hmm. see, I want to see that downfall, baby. But uh, yeah, now I'll give it to the mothballs just in general. All this, oh, cool. Yeah. All this white, crusty, this wonderful, crusty British Englishman. This good Blank, English Blanket voice. award. Blanket award to the mothballs. You're all beautiful. Every little mothball, Pip Torrens. <laughs> whoever whoever portrayed uh, Bernie Sanders, yeah, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you're, 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 you're golden you're golden oh great uh, uh, Becky who do you got this week for I uh, feel like Stanley Tucci winner I don't know her name but the show girl in Florence Foster Jenkins uh, yeah Nina Ariane yeah. yeah she gets it for me she was uh, great so good I like yeah, her because she wasn't just like a dumb her. yeah she wasn't a dumb bimbo she ends up you know really being an integral part so she gets my vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's absolutely wonderful in the film. Uh, I'm also going to stick in the Florence Foster Jenkins realm, and I'm going to give it to Hugh Grant. No oh. Hugh swap here. We're going to keep we're, Hugh Grant. You're terrific in it. I've given it before to Simon Helberg, and I would you know I think he's terrific as well. Just uh, they do such a nice job. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Hugh Jackman. No, thank you, Hugh Grant. We'll take you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. please. Yeah. We love him. And let's uh, crowdfund a remake of X-Men starring Hugh Grant. With the Hugh swap we've been dying for. Oh, yeah. I'd see that. <laughs> yeah. Like a weird, a weird, uh, like a weird kind of, uh, uh, kind of nebbish Wolverine British mm-hmm. sort of like constantly flustered Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what am I doing here with these yeah. adamantine he's, claws? He's, he's more concerned about <laughs> manners than he has uh, mutant fights. Yeah, it's like, if you don't mind, I'm just going to, um, if you mind if I put my, uh, uh, I scrape you with my uh, uh, Wolverine fang, it's not going to hurt that much, but I have to do it. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, all right. You guys have a nice day. And then that's the movie. Over. <laughs> Credits. Mag- mag- magne- Magneto, I, I don't, I, I don't mean to offend, but if you could perhaps be less magnetic. That would be helpful for the entire situation. I don't know. Yeah, I'm currently <laughs> floating in the air because of your magnetism. I, perhaps you are unaware, I am made of metal. <laughs> I'm a little metal boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like him, uh... Wow. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I, 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 speaking of Hugh Swaps, though, before we move on, I just got... I, have you all seen the film Prisoners? The, the very mm-hmm. dark... Chuck. Yeah. What yeah. if Hugh Grant played Hugh Jackman's part in that film? That would be Ooh. wild. Like truly bet wild. You, like it would be like we would see this like I bet you Hugh Grant would have won the Oscar because it would have yeah. been like, whoa, dude, you have a really fucked up side to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, and you're this twisted. is great. Yeah, you, you have a, like a, brain. Sub- <laughs> a suburban Pennsylvania redneck hunter whose son gets kidnapped and you yeah. lose your mind because of it. That's really your range is freaking incredible, man. Absolutely, I'd be like Hugh. Uh, okay. I really, I really yeah. felt a connection with the character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I that would be that'd be. Although I think Hugh Jackman's quite good in it. He's he's yeah. a little oh, intense, but Hugh Jackman's good a good boy too. Like oh, we like, love him. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I could see. I could even do a Hugh Jackman bracket. That would be interesting. Be yeah, I think there's enough. Mm-hmm. I think we're finally at the point where there are enough. Like, there's there's 16 Hugh Jackman films we could gossip Certainly. about. Oh what, yeah. What would be interesting too is he doesn't have like, he doesn't have a Sophie's Choice or like a Dallas Buyers Club. That's kind of his like signature. I'm a good actor 
role. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot. He's good in everything, but he has he's never won. He's been nominated, I think, a couple of times, but I don't. He mm-hmm. got nominated for Les Miserables, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which I never saw. I, I but, like Les Miserables. It's not like a perfect movie. It has problems, but I like it. I think he's he's good in it. Um, I think too, what's interesting about Hugh Jackman is he's like the probably one of the first actors. <laughs> At least when the the first actor in the 20th century to get his start as like not his start necessarily but like his like big he becomes a big actor when he stars as Wolverine he's like the first person to be like I'm since Christopher Reeve to be like a I'm famous because I played this uh, comic book character mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah which because uh, like I think like even with all the Batman movies you could say the same but like. Michael Keaton was big before. As discussed, mm-hmm. he was Beetlejuice prior yeah. to Batman. Oh, yeah. That's such a great... Oh, my God. So, my boy, Don, has the, <laughs> greatest, he has the greatest antidote about, like, his cousin getting driven to to madness. Like, what was it like? Well, when we were kids, we when we were just kind of getting into movies, of course, we were naturally drawn to, as little boys drawn to Batman mm-hmm. and Beetlejuice. Yes. And I informed my cousin when we were respectively like 10 and 8 that the same actor played Batman and Beetlejuice mm-hmm. and he would not have it. He just I can could see not, that. Yeah. He, as an 8 year Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. To oh, the yeah. point that tears and screaming Aww. came into play and like mothers had to be brought in to say, well, actually... <laughs> This, this man, Michael Keaton, he's just an excellent actor. That's totally kind of capable. Yeah, but it's just kind of, I mean, it's, it's like your first discovery of like, no way. That can't be. That's the same mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. But, I mean, to, I, uh, yeah, what's another example of that? I'm trying but, to I think mean, of that. such a mind blower. And that it is. In the time period, too. I'm trying to think of like uh, the closest thing, because like, uh, I'm like a little younger than you. So, like, for me, I guess like, It'd be like telling me, like a young me, that like Tommy Lee Jones was both like the the agent in Men in Black and Two Face. Oh, but even oh that, yeah, but mm-hmm. even that doesn't have the same like. Cause that's Batman and Beetlejuice. That's good and evil, man. Mm-hmm. That's two mm-hmm. sides of the opposite coin. That's that's brain shattering. That's a brain yeah. shatter. The close, the other only other closer one was like my dad. One of the first movies he showed us was The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, mm-hmm. and we were like because of that, like we were like. Five-year-old biggest Clint Eastwood fans in the entire world. Oh, good. Yeah. Unfor- Unforgiven comes out, and we're like, "Whoa, he's old and sad now. What <laughs> happened there?" And I was, and I was like, as a ten-year-old, I was like, "We have to run to Unforgiven." I think, and, I, and my mom and dad were like, "This might be a little heavy mm-hmm. for you." And I'm like, "No, we have to." When we watch, I watched it at a birthday party. I, that's what <laughs> I, I was like for my that's friends. Awesome. And my friends were like, "I don't know about this movie at all. Let's watch Beetlejuice again." <laughs> uh, one time, Amazing. Yeah, I did that uh, with the. Uh, I rented Midnight Cowboy, and I watched that with a group of my friends. They all just like walked out like halfway through the movie. They're like, "We don't want to watch this. Oh, <laughs> this isn't fun in any way, shape, or form." Good hang. <laughs> just a good hang with the guys. Let's watch Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really have an idea because I was like, "Oh, cowboys are cool. I like <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. This could be fun." Yeah. And like, and like halfway through the movie, my he friends is were not like, the same as he was in Hook. 
man, yeah. It's like, yeah, this is not, yeah, is that, that's this character from Hook? Is this a prequel to Hook? Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I understand, I understand how Captain Hook got the way he was. Yeah. If, Pan, yeah, Pan, that's, if the prequel, if that's the prequel. If you watch the movie Pan, it is just a shot for shot remake of Midnight Cowboy with yeah. Garrett, Garrett, Garrett Hedlund. Hugh, yeah. Hugh Jackman is John Voight. <laughs> Oh uh, my goodness! Okay, okay, let's 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 do it. Let's figure out who's going on to the finals here. Uh, again, this is based on performance, not quality of film. Okay. So that being said, our subtitle to our entire show. That being said. Yep. That Patrick, being said. Let's hear what you got to say. Okay. You know what? Ah, fuck it. Here we go. Here's the scoop. You know what? Here's my hot take. Iron Lady, she does everything in it, right? Like, you get to see every... She plays a nuanced character. It's totally, like, a different voice. She's inhabiting a new, fresh role that's, like, totally divorced from Meryl Streep or whatever. Uh, She laughs, she cries, she does it all. Um, She has, like, some of the best scenes. Like, some of the scenes, when you take them out of the context of the film, just, like, are demonstrations of how great she is as an actor. Uh, I would argue that Florence Foster Jenkins, while the highs aren't as high as Iron Lady, like Iron Lady, there are definitely better acting moments in it. Florence Foster Jenkins is just as, she's just as versatile in it. In some ways, she's more versatile because she also has to like sing, but like sing badly and then sing badly in a way that's entertaining and not like, and and then feels like, it doesn't feel like parody. Like, you know, I could, the way, the amount of, like, care she puts into this role uh, is uh, indicative of her skills. I think a lesser actor uh, couldn't uh, create such a nuanced portrayal of a character that is, on paper, very easy to portray as one note and, you know, no pun intended, and wacky. Uh so I'm and also I do think that at this point I do think that like replayability is a big because like I think the testament to like if a a performance is good is if I can watch it again and again and like uh and not only like watch it again and enjoy like you know have fun with it but watch it again and plumb more depths from it and I think with Florence Foster Jenkins I can plumb more depth like I, I always find new little bits in that role and with Iron Lady it's like, uh, I feel like this time around, as much as uh, I can applaud her performance in it, I didn't really get glean that much like new imp. Like it's uh, it's like it's just kind of like a her greatest hits. It's like this is like the it's like the Meryl Streep demo reel for her acting, where it's like this is like you know this is Meryl Streep at her peak. This is Meryl Streep when she's doing a voice. This is Meryl Streep sad, happy. So I'm gonna give it to Florence Foster Jenkins, like with wow. a bullet. You wow. know what? You know, dreams do come true, Florence. <laughs> yeah, man, like one shining moment, maybe. Um, so one for Florence Foster Jenkins. You know, you said something that really struck me, Patrick. Almost every one of the movies we've watched, I've discovered something new mm-hmm. each time out about what Meryl Streep is doing. I haven't ever on The Iron Lady. Mm-hmm. It has remained exactly how it was the first time we saw it, which, again, there's so many nice technical details. She's using every trick 
in her arsenal in it. She gets to play young. She gets to play old. She's just gets to do weird hair stuff, makeup stuff, gets to do the accent. You know, it's a full-blooded character, but at the same time, I, I'm i not certain she gets too far below the surface. And I that might be inherent in Margaret Thatcher as a person, although it sounds like um, on The Crown, given a little bit more time, perhaps, they were able to get a little bit deeper on it. Uh, earlier in our conversation, I had mentioned that I thought that um, Meryl Streep really like, got Florence Foster Jenkins and really like understood her, had, kind of felt the hu- really was able to get to the human behind kind of like the oh, the worst singer of all time, like like Logline or whatever that, like we've said, many other actors might just go with that and probably get away with it, frankly. Um, she finds a real soul in the character, though, and a real heart and a real drive and a real passion. I think that, you know, talking about favorite scenes, when she goes to visit Cosme and they have the conversation and they talk about her playing piano and stuff like it's one of my favorite scenes of the entire tournament and i think and the way they shoot her they give her these wonderful close-ups where you can really see how she's thinking and feeling it isn't as flashy it isn't as big it isn't as like famous as margaret thatcher and i am stunned you know about the journey so far but i'm also voting for florence foster jenkins uh becky uh, to you guys i told when i told my coworkers today that i was doing this and they're like well which one are you gonna pick and i was like i don't know i'm like freaked out and i like didn't know until the start of this conversation but i have to say florence foster jenkins three for three Wow. I cannot believe, I cannot believe I'm saying that because I 100% thought that Iron Lady was going to be it because I watched it second. Um, But yeah, I was, I, I, I stunned myself. Um, So yeah, 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 yeah. It's really a really incredible thing. Like Florence Foster Jenkins, whether it was Blake a couple weeks ago or Kyle in the last round or Becky today or Patrick and I all the way through, this has been a beloved, become a pretty beloved, like everyone who's watched it has been like, no one had seen it before. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, you know, that was pretty damn good. Like it was such a, a, a mood booster. It was, so, <laughs> it was so good. It was like exactly what I needed to watch at that time. And, and I do wonder, we, we talked about this a little about kind of the, the, the effect of the world and quarantine mm-hmm. on these votes. Like if there is kind of a, underlying subconscious thing about like why we're reacting positively to Florence or Mamma Mia or death becomes her or defending Mm -hmm. your life. Like we're really like, or even like heartburn or postcards from the edge, which are more dramedies, but it's just like, there's something very nice about just enjoying yourself with human stories Yeah, about like people are trying their best they're kind of imperfect, but they're doing what they can. And I think Florence Foster Jenkins is like the epitome. Yes. Of that. Here, here. Yes. And it's like, it shows that like, I don't know, it's one of those movies too where you can tell like, like in the adult 
mature film doesn't have to be like a gritty slog. Mm-hmm. Like I, and I love my gritty slugs. Don't get me wrong. I love, <laughs> I love, some, I love some dour, dour shit. We're mm-hmm. looking at you, Silkwood. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, looking, we're looking at you, Carl uh, Barks, Donald Duck Comics. Yeah, <laughs> the bad boy of Donald Duck Comics. Yeah, the mm-hmm. be- oh yeah, the Beagle Boys. Yeah, the bad yeah. Beagle Boy. But uh, uh, it's uh, it's kind of nice that you can like watch a movie that's like kind of uplifting, kind of nice. And it's not like about uh, uh, sci-fi doingles trying to find uh, the the last uh, hyper beam or whatever. Like it's mm-hmm. not like it. And I like yeah. And like I said, like Aquaman, like all that stuff. But it's cool just to watch. Like I, I, like this is a movie I can watch with my parents. So they don't have to ask me every five minutes. Like <laughs> like who in What's the hell going is on? Yeah, yeah. What is who's Black Manta? Like yeah. <laughs> like what the what the heck is Ocean Master? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I don't need to like fill in specific so yeah no i'm just so and i'm so stoked what a what a what a this is like a huge underdog it is florence oster jenkins versus sophie's choice yeah not in a million years would i have oh, seen this coming oh boy what, what a, a sophie's choice yeah. that's a sophie's choice <laughs> boom 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 I think it's so awesome i think it's so fitting because you're getting kind of the beginning of her career like young she's the best at new actor out there like the hot the hottest star on the scene and kind of her at just just hitting just having her entire craft down yeah. the, on the other side of her career uh kind of underestimated almost mm-hmm. but you know you take a look at it it's like no she's doing even more she's such a pro she doesn't need to she doesn't need to play a part like Sophie anymore to knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's firing at all cylinders, and she's again, yeah, she's demonstrating her skill by like, I can make you feel just as much for someone who's gone through horrible trauma. Uh, although I guess Florence Foster Jenkins didn't Jenkins go through test. horrible yeah. trauma, dude, mm-hmm. so I take it back. I take it back. But uh, it's it, it's yeah, it's an interesting. I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I am so excited to see what happens. Like <laughs> I, I'm so excited to see which which one ends up uh, <laughs> prevailing. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, I think Sophie's Choice is probably the Vegas favorite. Oh yeah. Right now, but betting against Florence Foster Jenkins has been a fool's errand. Right. Thus far. I, I, if if I would be stunned if Floris F- Foster Jenkins won altogether, but then I'd be like, no, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, if it is, if it does win, I think we have a better shot of meeting Meryl Streep at the end yeah. of this thing. If if we if our insane twenty week show decides that her best movie is Sports Foster Jenkins. What if she, you get her on the show and she's like, yeah, you're right because of the Sophie's Choice, I just phoned it in. That would be, oh, <laughs> so awesome. Talk about going viral. Yeah. Meryl Streep says she phoned in Sophie's Choice. I was yeah, just, she's like, yeah, I just showed up. It was just work for me. I was yeah. Just smoking sick bowls the whole time. Mm-hmm. Just not giving a head, doing some Gandalf circles. Yeah, did yeah. no research, just, no just research. went in and, and I winged, I winged it. <laughs> you know, people, pe- people think she learned Polish and German, but it turns out nobody knows those languages, so she was just making it up. She it was, was yeah. easy, yeah. yeah. It was pretty easy. It was the perfect crime. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, well, in, um, what is it, two weeks from now, we will be getting to those finals we're gonna have next week we're gonna uh, finally get around to a bo- uh, the bonus episode where we cover 
Angels in America. Oh, I love that. That is so good. I'm so excited you guys are covering it. We move on to the finals of the first season of the Academy Academy. I cannot believe we've done this many episodes and we've watched this many Meryl Streep movies. And Patrick and I have to watch Sophie's Choice and Florence Foster Jenkins another time. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm buying Sophie's Choice. I'm buying the Blu-ray. I'm just doing it. I think it's on HBO. Oh, but you should buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're doing it. We're doing it. Gotta, uh, gotta see those features. Gotta see those special features. Yeah, yeah. Roundtable discussion with Klein and Streep. I'm curious. Oh. That sounds like looking, fun. Looking back, but yes, mm-hmm. that was uh, so. That was the Florence Foster Jenkins versus the Iron Lady. Now we're on to this week's game. Uh, this week we're doing a little game called uh, Third Wheel. Third Wheel. You get the great privilege of going out to dinner with the mighty Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. But because it's, you know, she's married to Don Gummer, uh-huh. as we all know. And, you know, regardless of any, we just don't want to cast, we don't want the tabloids coming around thinking we got a date happen or something like that. So we got to bring right. somebody else. Fortunately, Meryl Streep is extremely famous and extremely popular. So anyone living and dead is available to come to dinner tonight to enjoy some wine. Probably, I mean, also, I'd like to know uh, what kind of food mm-hmm. we're picking. Because you get to pick the food for mm. dinner tonight. But who are you bringing? What are you eating when you go out to dinner with Meryl Streep and a new, another close personal friend? Let me think about this. I can go first if you want. Okay, go yeah. for it, Patrick. I'll, because uh, I'm thinking, like, okay, so doesn't, like, Meryl Streep live in Connecticut? Isn't that right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, we're getting some, like, New Haven. Doesn't, don't they have the best pizza in the world? Like, we're, like they have, like, that white clam pizza or whatever that's supposedly, like, the best pizza in all of America. And they call it, like, a pizza. Like, they don't even call it pizza. They call it a pizza. So we're going to, like, a, a, a classic New Haven pizzeria or a pizzeria. We're getting that white clam pizza. You know, we're not – because, like, I think Meryl Streep's down to clown with, like, a, a, a more laid-back environment. She's mm-hmm. being, she, she and Nicholson had pizza and heartburn. I, I'm buying it. Oh, yeah, yeah. She can chill. She, she can chill. Yeah, she's D2C. And so, like, uh, down to clown. Uh, D2C. And so, uh, I and on the sub- subject of heartburn, I'm bringing in my boy Jackie Nix. Oh. And we're going to talk about, And we're going to talk about the, those crazy adventures they had on set. We're going to we're going to bring up, uh, you know, like, you know, what was Ironweed like? I know you mm-hmm. two were in Ironweed together. Give me the Ironweed scoop. Should we have done, like, a bonus app on that bad boy? Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. You need to know is if we should have covered Ironweed. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's my one burning question. And then, like, I think, like, between the two of them, like, they could like regale you with like some just insane stories about like sixties to eighties Hollywood between the both of them mm-hmm. uh, to current day Hollywood. So, like, yeah, I think that's like Jack Nicholson, Meryl Streep, New Haven, White Clam, a Pete's, and then we we need to see. That's great. Sounds good. I like it. Becky, do you have a... Okay. Okay. I definitely know... Okay, question. There's a chance I might wake up in the middle of the night and change my mind, so I'll just send you guys a Facebook message. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. Restaurant would probably be, like, Neptune's Nest along the ocean. Um, You know where that is? Like, in Malibu or something, where it's just, like, seafood and waves and stuff? Because she would pay for it. And that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good that's a good move. I didn't think about that. 
pay, make her pay for the exorbitant. Make her pay for the thing. But anyway, it's just this, this like very fancy, like seafood restaurant on the water. Um, in terms of who I would bring, just because I'm curious, I would bring like my cousin's kids. <laughs> Because like kids are so like, they don't care. You know what I mean? Like they'll talk to you like you're normal. Like they don't know like Meryl Streep. And so I would just want to see like how Meryl Streep will like interact with like a funny kid who's just like, (laughs) just talking about like bikes and food and stuff, like just normal. Like, I feel like that would be such a fun meal. (laughs) That would would be really like, just, I think you'd get the real side to her because I'm sure yeah she, you know by all accounts she's a wonderful mother we we mm-hmm. heard a wonderful story from our guest Christina about seeing it in action mm-hmm. and um yeah that'd be very fun what a nice afternoon yeah on the, yeah. On the, on the subject of the, the bringing back Donald Ducks I'm just imagining you have like three like <laughs> Huey Dewey and Louie style you know like uh, precocious children yeah and they're yeah. You know, they all have like they're all you know identical triplets they all have different colored shirts and hats and mm-hmm. then just hijinks will ensue maybe you guys try to find uh, a magic diamond at some point yeah totally fun. like we'll be like talking about a tv show that she has no idea what they're talking about and is just nodding and is like that's so great like <laughs> i would love to see that <laughs> that would be so uh, fun <laughs> Yeah, they're explaining the the intricacy of Peppa Pig. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, She's like, oh, okay. I like it. I like it. Well, my um, my stock answer to any dinner party was used to be for like twenty years was Werner Herzog mm. in any in any situation because I just thought sure. it would just be very interesting. We we go to like um like a brew pub if we were with um Werner, uh-huh. but. Yeah. Based on this tournament and kind of what I would be curious about would be a quiet Italian restaurant in, let's say, um, Greenwich Village. Ooh. Uh, kind of a throwback because I am bringing Ted and Joanna Kramer together for a reunion. Oh, I would like to see Dustin Hoffman my God. and Meryl Streep and see as now that, you know, He's in his 80s. She's in her 70s. Mm-hmm. Is he apologetic to his insanity on the set of that movie? Does he mm-hmm. does he look back with regret? Does he does he think that it was a job well done because of they did win Best Picture, Director, Actor, mm-hmm. and Supporting Actress, and then yeah. the movie's gone down? His I would just be the gossipy side of me. Sure, would be very curious to see if they were forced to have a reunion what would happen oh 100 percent. that's fact because i mean like they run probably run into each other all the time and it's like what's that like you know what yeah. i mean yeah i mean she, you know obviously that was a tumultuous shoot mm-hmm. yeah uh, and you know and i i do wonder if like as he's gotten older and he's kind of i don't i have a feeling you know in his early 80s the kind of the roles are not going to be coming as fast and furious. Yeah. You know, yes. so he's, yeah. he's, got, he's got time to reflect a bit on behavior, mm-hmm. reflect a little bit on like he's entering the career hard. as a whole. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. He's entering bad grandpa territory. Like his roles yeah. are increasingly mm-hmm. going to become like sad grandpa, farty grandpa, like, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. Farty Grandpa 2, Meet the Farts. Like, things yeah. Like that, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, it's my love... favorite. Yeah, and I, I, would, I would be very curious, too, to see if how they, if, like, craft would come up. Like, because that was, like, a big idea is that she's not really, like, a big method actor. Mm-hmm. That was all he did. And if he still really believes that that's the way in to doing, like, the best performance. Yeah, I'd just be very curious about what they've, like, learned as people. Oh, of in the course. In odd years since yeah. they did this. And this diff- very, a movie that's going to be kind of in the first paragraph of both of their obituaries. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That oh was my a God. difficult time for both of them. Yeah. I mean, that to me is a fascinating answer. And that's, on all, I love that answer. I love it. Yeah. I'd watch that movie. I'm just like. Yeah. 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 Had that great scene of Meryl Streep kind of ripping into Hoffman and being like, you were a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were, and it's like, you know that. Cool movie did you- like method acting in equals excuse to be toxic. <laughs> like, yeah. Learning that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. yeah, it's like there's one thing of like taking from your life and saying, oh, this relates like A to A to this character I'm doing. It's a whole other thing to like whisper John Cazale in, your, in, <laughs> yeah. in her part in Meryl Streep's ear before they go on. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I wonder if he would. Be, have oh, no regrets and say that's so sad you know what look 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 at the results i don't know I, no if he but does that if he does like, no incorrect wrong <laughs> i'm oh, not good yeah. that oh, i think he could write a fascinating um fascinating play about a fantasy encounter like you, coming up with this but not like you yeah, just kind of like take going going from an imaginative point of view of like what it would be like to see them in this yeah. moment and you need to write you know, that especially, uh, like older people yeah and like, you have to write this send yeah, me the be, cash yeah it'd be it'd be a good okay. come up it'd be a good come up it's yeah mm-hmm. oh man yeah and i think i think you could really because i think if i you know if i i don't know how you all everybody here writes so i think we all have would take an interesting approach at it but i think like i would definitely try and think about like him I don't think I. I think it would be an interesting film if he felt regret, but he's also a mega star who's got a sizable ego. So, like getting like fighting, taking ninety five minutes to get him to even admit, even mm. in the most subtle of ways, that he did take it too far. Yeah, I mean, but it could, like it, I mean, it's my dinner with Andre almost. It would almost yeah. work better as a play. Than it would yeah. uh, I mean, as it, a film. Yeah, it could be like a Don Giovanni thing where he's like resilient to the point where like he's getting dragged to hell, and it's like I didn't. I'm still good. Like, uh, have you guys mm-hmm. ever seen Don? Yeah, like yeah, it could be like a Don Giovanni thing. That could be. And Patrick, you are a master of culture, going back and I forth mean, between yeah. Donald Duck and Don Giovanni. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like, yeah, it's like it's Don Giovanni slang. If you're a little Mozart freaks out there, Don Giovanni, it's a bonafide slapper. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, that character like gets dragged to hell, and he's in the wrong. But he's like, I, I'd rather go to hell than admit I'm a bad jerk. Uh, yeah, very, <laughs> very, uh, very timely, uh, timely thought. Oh, man. Sadly, but I don't think that that unfortunately is going anywhere because. Mm. That's you know power capitalism. Oh, we don't need to go there. Yeah, we're, we're all you know we already got we got rid of the Iron Lady. We're with Florence Foster Jenkins now. Yeah, all, yeah. Like, only good vibes. <laughs> so, 
Oh, what a what a fun what a fun one today. This has been a good one. Um, thank you so much, Becky, for coming on the show. Oh my god, you guys, I loved this. This was delightful. Awesome. So delightful. Awesome. Is there anything you want to do, plug or promote or anything like that before um, we take yeah, off? Yeah, I do have a podcast that's called Too Stupid to Live, and I review romance novels that are five dollars and under. Oh, nice. with guests yeah <laughs> so check that fun. out where you get your podcasts <laughs> excellent excellent well thank you so much for coming on and helping us guide the inexplicable but perfect florence foster jenkins into the final round uh before we head out though patrick i mean it could be a it could be a lot of things today is there any one or thing you would like to thank for today's oh, man. episode. Mm. I gotta thank uh, en- <laughs> English actors that are uh, uh, doing weird generic American accents. Mm, I love it. Definitely. Keep on doing it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, keep on getting a hot dog at the stadium. <laughs> uh, I gotta thank uh, Pikmin 3. Uh, I love collecting fruits. I love cl- collecting fruit in that game. My favorite. I've gotta thank uh, uh, Anthony Head. I gotta thank mm-hmm. my the Mothball Boys, uh, all those uh, British chaps in Parliament, the Mothball Boys. Um, I've gotta thank uh, Don Rosa, Carl Barks, uh, Dick Kinney, and Al Hubbard, and uh, a good. Uh, I'm gonna say one of my favorite, the Many Faces of Magica Descal. That's a great Carl. But if you want to start off reading some good Donald Duck comic, that's a great place to start. You know, get yourself. You know, go on Comicsology. Uh, in parody, find some CBRs through various means. Uh, in parody, uh, go have fun. Also, uh, the Seven Cities of Sabol is a great one too. That's a fun adventure one. Uh, and uh, I gotta thank uh, my melty brain. My brain's melting. I gotta thank my melty brain. And hey, my own melty brain ruined by movies. It's past your bedtime. Go to bed, you little scamp. My own yeah. brain. It's past your bedtime. <laughs> You're up too damn late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you're watching. Um, you know, I I got to thank endearing duck-centric houses. Like, yeah. that's just a big one for me. Uh, how about this? I got to thank movies for moms. Just movies for moms. Um, yeah. You know, I got to thank the lost Catherine Hepburn screwball comedy where she gets an STD. Mm. You know, let's, let's, let's take a look at that film. Um... Definitely want to thank uh, potato salad over baths as a preferred thing. If you got to pick one, yeah. take the potato salad, people. Um, and I, I really, I mean, most of all, I want to thank the um, the forthcoming essay Patrick is going to write for us about uh, Florence Foster Jenkins and Eyes Wide Shut and kind of mm-hmm. the, uh, the differing views in narrative cinema about the ruling or upper class or just economics in general. Oh yeah. We're looking forward to it, Patrick. Uh, your co-hosting job in the second season of the Academy Academy does depend on the quality of this essay. I just I'm just warning you. Know you- time. By the end of it, it's probably going to be just written in some incipherable uh, forbidden language uh, that I've unlocked from pure madness. It'll be like a, an ancient scary language, or it'll just be like a Zodiac Killer uh, <laughs> style note. Like, Mer- <laughs> like Meryl Streep, I will admire your commitment to learning new languages for whatever task is in front of you. So for Patrick, for our guest Becky, for all the rest of our the Academy Academy and our team, 
Thank you again for listening. This has been the Academy Academy. Oh, bye-bye, booby bye I don't know why. Bye. <laughs> oh, back them dark and dusty drapes. Let in some light. Tell the billboy come get my trunk. Cause I'm leaving here tonight And I've packed my bags And I paid my bills And I'm turning in my key And if those sad souls down in the lobby Ask for me Just tell them I'm checking out this heartbreak hotel. I ain't gonna live on Lonely Street no more, no more. I found a new love and a new place to dwell. Where teardrops ain't sunk in